debates, roasting, and fun in Jeet Nation's newest podcast, Breaking Ring Rust. And it starts right now. Welcome back, ladies, gentlemen, children of all ages. I am your host, Rocky Mr. Magic, and this is another episode of Breaking Ring Rust. As always, I am joined by my tag team partner, the one, the only, the cold heart, JT. What's up, man? It is good to be back, and uh, just want to say, with everything that's going on in the world right now, I'm happy to be here with you, my brother. Yes, indeed. We are glad to be here, bringing you another episode in the wild, wonderful world that is pro wrestling. Uh, As JT stated, things are going just crazy uh, around the world, uh, in the United States where we are, and particularly, but we want to be more than just pro wrestling fans who talk about pro wrestling. We want to be empathetic and sympathetic citizens of the world. So we start this episode by expressing our condolences, our thoughts and prayers to the families of Shad Gaspar and Hannah Kimura, who both recently uh, lost their lives and left this world um, in two different ways but they will be missed by their family, their friends, and their fans, and all of our best goes to their families. Yes, and, you know, both of them very different, very tragic for different reasons. Of course, Shad uh, lost his life saving his son, um, which I know as a parent, any parent, uh, at least a real parent, would be willing to do. Uh, And, of course, what happened with Kimura was just an evidence of the problems that we still have today with bullying. And uh, it's just really uh, tragic to see a beautiful young life like that uh, snuffed out. Indeed. Shad Gaspard, Hannah Kimura, two very young lives gone way too soon. Yes, without a shadow of a doubt. So from there, in the somber moment, we're going to like we're going to do this episode. We're going to talk about some things. We're a bit behind um, on some of our conversation. Money in the Bank happened in past, and also several episodes of Raw and SmackDown. And we're going to not recap all of those episodes, but we're going to touch on things on both of them. But before we do, there's two things I wanted to talk to my man JT about that I had it preface with him because I was really, really wanting to get his raw reaction from these two things in particular that kind of <laughs> uh, piqued my curiosity. So Okay, now my curiosity's peaked. <laughs> good. Um, so, number one, in the world of wrestling, this is seems to have well, this nothing seems to have. The world of wrestling has recurring themes. We've seen things happen over and over again with themes. Uh, we've seen storylines done over and over again. And it looks like we are seeing a 
cast change, for lack of a better term, happened again in the WWE with Samoa Joe essentially becoming the new Taz and his broadcast position seems to be, at least for the time being, due to his injury, a long-term change. We both know and love Joe as a talker on the mic. How do you feel about Samoa Joe being a out-of-the-ring personality? Um, you know, here's the thing. I think it's great that he's doing something to stay in the public eye while he is injured. Uh, I think it's great that he is doing what he is. I think he's very good as an analyst. Uh because he is an analyst, not a color commentator. Correct. Um, I think he fits well. It, it's it's not the first time he's been compared to Taz, obviously. Right. There's a lot of similarities. I actually kind of like him better than Taz. Than Taz, yeah. Yeah, because Taz was so much for hyperbole and being over the top, and Joe's just like, this is what's going on, and here's my perspective as a combatant myself. Yes. Uh, the, the promo he did with Ray – um, or interview, whatever you want to call it, that he did with Ray this week on Raw, I think exemplified how there's more than just the dimension of the Samoan submission machine to him. Um, and I, I felt was, the same way. Yeah, I think, you know, I think he's a guy who has a, a bright future beyond being in the ring, and I think this is setting him up well because not everyone can make that type of transition. And he's better than a lot of the color people and definitely some of the analysts they've had over the years. And he's gotten better at it quicker than a lot of other people have. Because if you remember when JBL started out, he was still trying to get himself over. Right. And when Austin Aries was a combatant, um, when he was injured and he was doing color or being an analyst, he just talked about how he could beat everybody. Mm -hmm. And to me, that made him one of the worst analysts ever. Yes. Um, and it was, it's one of these things where Joe is just going in and going, okay, I'm going to talk about what's going on. I'm going to tell the story. And so I really uh, like him in the role, but I would much rather see him in the ring. I'm a big Joe fan. Uh, I still think his first match with Kurt Angle and their Iron Man match are two of the best matches ever. Um, I think he proved in his matches with Kurt, he is as good as anybody on the planet in the ring. And he does not get his just due. I TN- TNA uh, messed him over really bad when he was at its hottest. Mm-hmm. And they just were like, oh, we're just going to drop the ball with you and bury you for the next few years. And WWE brought him in and, you're, and they push him in NXT and they bring him to the main roster. And within a few months, he's, he's wrestling Lesnar for the title. But then after that, they just kind of didn't seem to know what to do with him. And it's something that's that's a recurring theme in wrestling of yes. WWE getting people over and then not, not knowing what to do with them because they don't want to pull a trigger on something that the fans want. If you had had Joe a couple of years ago slap the, the submission on, slap the chokehold on Lesnar and Lesnar tap out, people would have bought that. Oh yeah, and they would have, and that would have gotten over. But oh, they enough. weren't ready to pull the trigger because they wanted Roman, right? And honestly, they were the only people who wanted Roman. <laughs> you know, I don't uh, even think Joe wanted Roman, <laughs> right? So it's 
one of those things where I think he's great in the role he's in now, but I want to see him back in the ring, and I'd like to see him get a, a run at the top again rather than in the U.S. title picture mm-hmm. before he hangs up for good. I agree. And if it's, maybe it's just me, but when I listen to Samoa Joe analyzing, um, you mentioned the Taz comparisons uh, have been frequent. Taz stayed in character when he was, you know, color commentating. He was always mostly the heel commentator. Joe, to me, seems to be separating character from just being Joe and that he's not, he's just, he's doing a great job. It's, it seems like he's not in character when he's, when he's behind the mic compared to in the ring. I don't know if you've gotten that that feeling, but no, definitely because Samoa Joe is is a character, but Joe himself is a person and a fan of the business, and that that shows. There have been a lot of people that came in that worked in this business that were not fans. Yes, and when you see Joe, he he's more like to me like Nigel. Okay. Like, it, like I think Nigel might be the most underrated analyst right now in wrestling. Mm-hmm. And when he talks, he talks about, you know, this is what I can give you based on my experience as someone who who did this, and this is what I can tell you about this person or what I see in them. And he's not that old. Uh, uppity Niall McGinnis character that we saw for so many years. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. And so I think the same is true with Joe. Um, I, you know, I think that there's a lot of talent broadcasting for WWE. And I think Corey Graves might be better if he was an analyst rather than a color commentator. Mm-hmm. Uh, because when he gets, as I really love Corey Graves, um, I've got his action figure on one of my collection tables, but when he gets into color guy mode, uh, you see a lot of silliness from him Mm -hmm. and, you know, and sometimes it's funny and sometimes it works, but it, it takes away times too. Yeah. Sometimes it is a detriment. I agree. Yeah. So, he, you know, what's the other thing you want to get my opinion on? Uh, <laughs> so, uh, the other thing I want is your opinion on. I don't know if you heard about this at all, um, but I came across it and I, I chuckled and then I shook my head and I face palmed and I had a, a myriad of reactions. So, uh, if you are someone who uh, is around the age range that JT and I are, and you possibly were a fan of the R&B group TLC. Uh, and the C in TLC stands for Chili. It was one of yes. the members of this female group. Uh, Chili is a Yeah, Chili because big... she has the, the double uh, black spot in her eye. <laughs> so Chili is, uh, she's a big wrestling fan. She goes to local shows in Atlanta, brings her son, um, she's a big wrestling fan, and quite recently she took to Twitter and stated that she is still waiting to get inside the ring and added Stephanie McMahon and the WWE. So, do you think that Chili 
would be someone that the WWE should work with, uh, potentially even maybe even letting her get into the ring. That I had not heard about. Uh, I'm, I'm just looking something up real quick here. So, and this was Chili, May 14th. This was, you know, this wasn't like two years ago. Chili was, is now 49 years old. Yes, she is. She does not look it. She doesn't look it. No, and but she is 49 years old, and I don't know that it's a good idea for anyone past 30, especially someone who is not a competitive athlete, to try getting in the ring past that point. Uh, I, she's in great shape. She she looks great. Uh, she has a ton of charisma, but from a physical standpoint, you know, there are people who have adapted at a later age. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kurt Angle being one. Right. Diamond that's a world class athlete we're yeah. talking about. Yeah. Yeah, Kurt Angle, exactly. He's a world-class athlete, so it's not new. But to take bumps in a ring is really brutal. And unless they're going to protect you to a point, now I could see something like, okay, it's WrestleMania. We're doing a celebrity feud angle like they did with Snooki a few years ago, and they've done with other people in the past. Uh, WCW did it a little too much, if you ask me. Yes, because uh, they put the title on <laughs> Well, well, not just not just not just putting the title on Arquette, but you also had Jay Leno in a main event. Yes, and, and oh, well, I would say Malone and Rodman, but at least they are world class athletes right, themselves. Right, that I had less of a problem with because they are world class athletes. But it goes down to oh, we've got Drew the, Carey. Yeah, yeah. You you go to and at the same time like Drew Carey, he came in, they threw him out. You know, right. he he wasn't taking bumps. He wasn't. Having, having a competitive match it was meant to be a comedy spot and it was having said that it depends on how they would want to use chili from the sounds of it she wants to actually work that's what it sounds like to me and if but if she wanted to go in there and be protected where you've got uh another girl uh around her that can cover for her that can do the work and let her kind of mop things up uh then I don't think it's a good idea. Uh, you know, again, she's 49 years old. And when you're pushing 50, it's not the same. Uh, I can tell you I'm 44. I've been an athlete. I've been someone who is in, you know, in good shape. But I can't imagine going in and taking bumps at my age. Yeah, I, I, can't, I can't imagine that for her because – even though she's probably in fan, like you said, she's in great shape and she does, you know, have a you know, personal trainer and all that stuff. Right. That's there's, not there's, the same as taking right. bumps. Like it's, it's a completely different type of athletic, of, of athletic endeavor. And they're not going, you know, if, some, if they're not going to, unless he said, unless they protect her and give her, you know, uh, which would not be believable in any way, shape, form, or fashion. You know, a Goldberg type few where she's just steamrolling people, that, and no right. one would believe that. You know, that a forty-nine-year-old woman who's not that big, you know, is just destroying people. Right. Uh, it just—I can't see it working. Now, if she, to me, if she's really serious about this, um, when things open up in Atlanta, the best thing for her to do would be to try it out with some of the local promotions that she visits, see what it's really like before 
taking Mark Henry up on his reply to try to get the ball rolling. Right. Here's my thing. If you, again, if you put her in a situation where you've got somebody who's a big heater, uh, like a Naya that can just knock someone out and then tag her in and let her get the pin. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then you have someone smaller who can do the selling and you've got a six man match at or six woman match at WrestleMania or SummerSlam. Mm -hmm. Then, then no, you don't do it. You know, there've been very few people who could transition well to it. Uh, I think probably the most, the most noticeable as far as someone who was a celebrity that transitioned into wrestling some and, and did well at it was Stephen Amell. Okay. Uh, but that guy is a world-class athlete. I mean, he's, very, he's seen, very athletic. Yeah. If you've seen his workout, the salmon ladder and things like that, that he does. It's impressive. He, he yeah, it's very impressive. The guy's in great shape and he looked good in the ring doing stuff, but he's been a competitive athlete and, and someone who has a lot of natural athleticism his whole life and yes it goes back to something i'm going to talk a little bit about later about you know being an athlete or being in good shape doesn't necessarily transition in the ring but when it does it's a beautiful thing yes um but i was going to mention that in line with this week's raw um but so we'll just move on past that we'll, we'll until past that. yeah well, well yeah appreciate it. see I, I i thought you'd be a bit surprised as i was because i was like chili chili yeah chili what my thing would be why wasn't she doing this in the 90s when but she was still hot people well not yeah. only that but when she was younger and they were utilizing more people because you had like salt and pepper at wrestlemania 11 yeah. You had, uh, you know, different people being utilized, even Master P, you know. With WCW, and, yeah. Right. And then they, so, had, they gave him an entire stable. Right. So why not during the 90s when she was at her at her hottest uh, as far as popularity and when she would have probably been in the best shape of her life, why not then say, okay, while well, I'm not on tour, then I'm going to go in there. But it, it's a big difference between being – in shape and taking bumps and if you watch the the undertaker uh documentary series they've been doing last ride it talks about that how it's hard to go from you know not taking bumps to going in the ring and taking bumps if your body's conditioned to taking bumps every night that's one thing but going in and starting doing that or starting doing it again is a completely different thing yeah because you're 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 soft and right. so you harden your body back up it's it's something else Right. Cool. So moving on to the main part. So uh, obviously Money in the Bank happened, you know, several weeks ago. That's one way to put it. It happened. <laughs> it happened. <laughs> it did happen. Um, certain things happened um, during that pay-per-view. Um, well, let's just start at the beginning. Do we really have to? <laughs> well, I mean, that was a good match because, well, we, those dark match with Jeff Hardy and Cesaro, I did not see that, so I won't comment on it. I'm assuming it's a good match because they're both good workers. It was a good match. I did watch and, that. But then we had New Day, Forgotten Sons, who, I, who I'm really impressed with how they're coming along, uh, Miz and Morrison, and Lucha House Party uh, in a four-way for the tag titles, for the SmackDown tag titles. And right away, you know, when you see – uh, that going on, you know that hey, Lucha House Party's not taking the belts this time. I don't think they're taking the belts anytime, but right. Yeah. And then we saw an impromptu match where 
uh, Bobby Lashley substituted for MVP and just absolutely squashed our truth. Yeah, he, uh, and that looked and when he speared him, whew, that yeah. one looked like it really hurt. Yeah, I think you know a lot of people talk about Goldberg having the best spear. I've always thought Bobby Lashley had the best spear. It's it's it is fantastic. Yeah, and when you get a guy who can sell as well as Truth does, it really just emphasizes how powerful it looks. Right, and it, it's one of those things where you know, Jr. looked like he was broken in half. Yes, and I've always thought Lashley just had a great spear. I don't know why they didn't have him using it more often uh, when he came back, but I'm glad he's using it again because while Goldberg has the spear background from playing football, Lashley was a high level wrestler and MMA guy. He went in the upper on MMA, but he knows that the double leg takedown and he yes. knows how to grab it like a double leg, but at the same time drive right into him. It's like he's snapping you. Mm -hmm. And so then we saw a match. I was surprised by how good it was actually Bailey and Tamina. It, I was too. Yeah. I see. I was. I was kind of thinking you might have been down a little bit on that one, but I was like, "Wow, this is, this was surprisingly good." No, it was. It's one of the better matches Bailey's had since she turned heel. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, let's face it. I know they're trying to put Bailey and Sasha together, but the problem with the two of them is, is Bailey's a baby face. She was born to be a baby face, and turning her heel is like trying to turn Ricky Steamboat heel. It's just not going to work. You know, It she gets more groans than, ooh, I actually have legit heat and hate her, you know. While like, Sasha... People are trying to hate her, I think. Like, like, they, they're like they seem to be legitimately trying to like, hate her, but it's just, like you said, this comes off of a, uh... Yeah, at, at the same time, Sasha is is a pure heel. Yes. If, if, you, if you listen to her talk outside the ring, she comes off as arrogant, better than, and I don't think she means to. I just think that's the way she is. She sounds uh, condescending often, yeah. Exactly. And when you look at her history with how many people she's injured and things she's done like that, she just comes off better as a heel. So those two should be feuding, and I, I'm pretty sure they will be before too long, sooner yeah. rather than later. But it needs to be, but at the same time, they act like they're going to turn Sasha face and leave Bailey as a heel. That's what it and, seems like they're doing. And that's the dumbest thing you could possibly do. I mean, would you have Dusty and Flair work together with Dusty as the heel and Flair as the face? No, but I think, and here's what I think, and actually more of what I'm hoping is the case, is that in them teasing that they're going to turn, um, that it's going to turn Sasha face and Bailey still be the heel, and that in, in actuality, Bailey uh, will turn on Sasha after Sasha's you know saved her title again, and uh, I'm sorry that no, that Sasha will turn on Bailey at, even though she's like saved the title, so she'll save the title for her because she knows she can take it off of Bailey, but then she'll backstab Bailey and Sasha will go heel and Bailey will go back to being face. That's what I'm hoping they, they do. They can do that, or they can do the way they turn Michaels in 95, where, you know, Sasha's trying to interfere, and Bailey's going, no, I'm going to do this one on my own, and mm -hmm. she and she saves her and, you know, causes her to win, and maybe Bailey doesn't realize at first, and then she does. She sees the replay, 
and she says, well, hey, why are you doing that? I, I told you you had the night off. And then, and she turns around to walk away and then Sasha hits her with the backstabber. And so that, you know, either one of those theories, it would work that way. But to me, uh, Sasha doesn't work as a face and Bailey doesn't work as a heel. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was glad they turned her just because I wanted her to have the chance to do a heel run. Um, and I think with her being such a Macho Man fan, they should try to have her emulate Macho a bit more. It might work a bit more if they actually, you know, let her, you know, just do something that's a bit more. And she started the Dastardly. whole yeah, like she started. They, they started. They, they did a couple weeks where she was doing good as a chicken heel, but then it just it kind of fizzled from that. So if she's gonna keep being a heel, she needs to do something. Yeah, something dastardly. She needs. Well, to if she's gonna be a heel, she should be a chicken heel because she's not. She's not a larger woman. She's not a monster. She's not a dominator. You know, she needs to be that kind of heel that can win by hook or by crook, but doesn't dominate. And, and they were doing well with that, in my opinion, initially, you know, for probably four weeks. Right. And there's, there are people who have had success with that. Um, Alexa did that for years and got over huge because you knew people could beat her, quote unquote. You knew she was a, a chicken. She didn't want to face these people, mm -hmm. but she always found a way to to sneak it out and 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 there are people that that she reminded me of that did that very well like chris jericho um flair she reminded me of them in that way because how many times do we see jericho or flair in a situation where they legitimately should lose yes and then they pull it out you know uh and then you have the suspension of disbelief that once that person turns baby face now they're legitimately can beat the other person right and so, uh, I, it just doesn't work with Bailey. And, it, you know, maybe she needs the experience uh, of having that. But, you know, it, it, you know even, even my daughter, who's nine years old, doesn't buy it. Right. You know, and that's who, who you really should be looking at going, okay, a nine-year-old doesn't buy it. Then it just doesn't work. Uh, yes. And and this match was also the best match I've seen from Tamina in a long time. Uh, yes, she I seemed very unmotivated. If you go back and watch Tamina in like 2010, 2011, man, she was in amazing shape. She looked mm -hmm. great. And she went out and just delivered. You know, she wasn't the best in the ring. She was still a little green, but she had a passion for it. Yeah, and the past few years, she's just like, oh, they're dragging me out with Nia in a tag team, or oh, they're dragging me out for this, or they're throwing me in as this extra person. They they buried her. I mean, right. I mean, and granted, she did get hurt a lot, and she had to me a lot of really good momentum following Team Bad, you know, their creation and then the breakup, and then the injury happened. After that, they just seemed to not have a place for her, and then then she get hurt, and then right. And so I think there's still uh, some life in her. Um, I'd love to see her get back motivated again and really, um, I'm not saying she needs to lose weight and look like she did 10 years ago, although she did look amazing then. Mm -hmm. It doesn't even look like the same person. I hate to say that, but it is true. 
Uh, she's she's her physique has changed a lot. Right. And so, but I'd love to see her get that type of motivation again. And I think we saw a glimpse of that. The next thing we had was Braun and Bray. We didn't get Braun and the Fiend, which would have been, uh, I think, a great match. Um, we got Braun and Bray, and it just started out intense and then diminished into silliness. Because uh, yeah. we saw the puppets popping up, and then he just power slams Bray out of nowhere and pins him. And I'm going, okay, that doesn't make sense unless they're going to come back with the Fiend and have the Fiend say, well, you beat Bray, but you didn't beat me. me. Right. Yeah. And they even did a flash at the end of it, like just a quick flash of the Fiend. And I was like, oh, good, they're going to bring it back. But they haven't really mentioned it since then. Now yeah. you've got him versus Miz and Morrison, and I'm like, okay, I, I get why they would do that, but I don't see why they're not following up with Bray and the Fiend, because unless they're saving that for SummerSlam or something. Yeah. Uh, the next I, thing, go ahead. I, I'm just, I like, I like and dislike the duality. Um, I don't think they're doing it enough with Bray and the Fiend, you know, the split personality thing. Um, sometimes I look at it and like just commit to one or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems like they just, to me, it seems like they're just throwing it against the wall and hoping that, you know, this week either this new Bray Wyatt sticks or the Fiend sticks. Like it. Even the title match, you know, you know, with, in the whole thing with Braun, it's just, you know, going back, hearkening back to the, you know, to the days of, you know, the Wyatt family. and Which I like that because they which, actually acknowledge something from the past. Yes, which which I liked. Um, but then to me, I, that, that would have been in time for the scene to, to, to be there and not, you know, Mr. Rogers' version of... Bray Wyatt, you know, it's, right. it, it, just, it seems like they really don't know what direction they're trying to do with this. Awesome well, that's because they killed they the Golden Goose. They had they had a great character in the Fiend that was unstoppable, and then you have a man in his fifties beat him. Right, a guy who just lost to the Undertaker in his, one of his last appearances. Right, you have him, and then it. You killed the momentum. You had a chance to bring it back. Uh, it would have been interesting to see, say, say you hit the power slam and then the lights go out. And then there's kind of lights flashing around as a distraction. Lights come back on and Bray standing there as the fiend. Mm-hmm. Hits Sister Abigail, gets the pin, and then they have controversy. Well, well, did he really win because it was Bray, not the fiend, that was supposed to be wrestling? Right. And you and you you can build him back up because if you have him beat the guy who beat him, you can get some of his momentum back. Right. But just going out and him being Mr. Rogers, like you said, getting squashed, uh, didn't make a lot of sense. And at the same time, it's hard to see that Bray as uh, the leader of the Wyatt family. 
Yeah. I, like I can I can believe that Ray that that Bray de-evolved into the fiend from being that person. But the the happy cheery person, but at the same time I do like it because he's he's so creepy when he's happy. Yes. And that which I like. Works. Yeah. I like yeah. Um so I don't know if they come back with the fiend and and do a, a real intense match and stay away from the silliness. I'm all for it, but the last two Bray appearances on pay-per-view uh, have been things that that made me embarrassed to be a wrestling fan. Trash can juice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so if we can move off that nightmare, we had a match that would have been better if it was on the Indies. Uh, Drew McIntyre and Seth Rollins, which. How much better would that match have been if it was Drew Galloway and Tyler Black? It would have been a lot, lot better. Although this match was, you know, the best match on the card to me still. Uh, but I don't like Seth's new gimmick. Um, I don't like what it implies. I don't like the religious overtones to it. Um, a lot and, of people feel that way. Yes. And uh, that's something that on like a daily basis – not necessarily daily, but uh, when I'm at my job and I talk to people and people always ask me, what do you think about this? Cause I don't like it. And I'm like, I don't like it either. I, I, I think it's, it, here's the thing. We always hear, if you hear anyone talk about this, man, they say what a, what a, you know, how their family is Catholic and they have these deep beliefs and things like that. Then why do we have the Monday night Messiah and the King of Kings and Shawn Michaels tag teaming with God? You know, why have we had those recurring themes? Yeah, you know, I I can't answer that. I'm not Vincent Kennedy McMahon. I personally, I can't say that I ever, ever would have bought um, that Vince or Linda uh, where all that, uh, what's the term, practicing? Yes, uh, in their Catholicism. Um, I think that they're an Irish family with a Catholic tradition, and that's pretty much where it lies. Right. Um, you know, I, not even just any of the blatantly, you know, uh, you know, religious or or hinting towards satanic um, overtones, but just you know the constant with Vince involved. Um, you know. Uh, adultery angles and um i mean the, the man you know admittedly pitched you know an incest angle with his daughter i mean i, I right. really doubt uh, you know how much practicing catholicism than the mcmahon family's doing right there's one of my like favorite movies is like a sentimental favorites movie called she's the one and it's a movie that uh ed burns did early in his career as a director and he's the lead actor in it and john mahoney plays his dad and they're sitting at the dinner table one night, and John Mahoney says, you'll not take God's name in vain at my table. And he says, Pop, you don't even believe in God. He said, never stop me from being a good Catholic. <laughs> and if, you know, if you've not seen the movie. Uh, I've heard of the movie, but I haven't watch seen it. it. It's, it's Ed Burns, John Mahoney, Cameron Diaz, very early in her career when she still was an absolute knockout. Uh, Jennifer Aniston. Uh, I forget her name, but Ed Burns' girlfriend at the time um, was in it as well, and it's a uh, it's it's a fun movie. I actually saw it with Franchise 
when it came out in the theaters. Okay. Yeah. So I have to I have to look that one up. Now, speaking of things that made me embarrassed to be a wrestling fan. Oh, uh, the Money in the Bank match. Yes. Lord have mercy. There um, were. Let me just say, this, there are two ways they could have gone with this. Okay. Now I told you before the match went on. I think two to, a day or two before I said that's going to be a trash fire. Yes. I, I think but, when we both saw the whole premise of going up the building, right. that it was going to be a trash fire. Right. But I thought, hey, there's two ways they can do with this. And I hope they'll do it the way where it's realistic, like they're they're actually following them around, it, like they did with Edge and Orton at WrestleMania, where they fought all over the building, but they had a cameraman waiting there. It wasn't spliced together. It wasn't shot like a movie. Right. The other way they could do it was shoot it like a movie and make it ridiculous, and that's the way they went, where it was obviously edited together. It was obviously not a real match. It was obviously, uh, you know, you go stand here and you stand here, and then we'll say action and pick up the action from there. Right. And then we've got a food fight in the middle of it, and it's like, okay, why is there catering at Titan Tower at 10 o'clock on a Sunday night? Yeah, that, you know, that, that it, doesn't make any sense. Right. So there was a bunch of stuff that just didn't make sense and was dumb, and you had stupid spots. You had the Dana going into the conference room and seeing that money in the bank uh, briefcase and thinking that that's going to be the win for her. Um, but Which was – I felt so turned, bad for her, though, because, like, she can't – It, it, she, it her made her look dumb. Yes. You've been saying – all along, hey, it's on top of the building. There's going to be a ring there and ladders. And she's like, oh, no, it's in this conference room, and all I have to do is climb on this conference table. And it made her look dumb. Now, if I cared more about Dana Brooke as a character, I might feel bad for her. Uh, but as we've established in our last episode, I think she's one of the worst workers they have. So I'm not invested in her character. I, I didn't mind her looking dumb. Well, I just feel bad in the aspect of, like, they couldn't <laughs> – she couldn't express joy in the thought that she won. Like she sat there, put the, the briefcase on her lap and started slapping it. Yeah. Like, and just like patting it repeatedly. And I'm like, that's how you celebrate, you know, <laughs> potentially winning a chance to be champion. You sit there and you pat the thing and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, well, and then and, and they didn't sell the fact that like she could have won because like if, for for that to be effective, you know, 50th floor or something before that, you know, and then her going to the conference room establishing that it's at the top floor of the building could have maybe made someone think that Dana Brooke possibly have, had won this thing, but they didn't even do that. And, and what I had the biggest problem with was the cutaway where they have Stephanie saying, not that briefcase. It was yeah, obviously it, taped with a lower quality video oh yeah. in a different place. In a and, different room, different right, audio, it, the whole it, thing. It it did not fit. It looked like something when, okay, when Franchise and I were in uh, junior high and high school, we would do videos for our church, okay, mm -hmm. where we would do these stupid skits and, and – Another guy named Jason was involved. Um, he and he and Matt actually started doing it, and then I started joining in too. But they would do these almost like Saturday Night Live type skits, 
okay. we had better quality in some of those and some of the production they had in that. Wow. So it was. That's really bad. But then you, you so then you have, you know, they get to the top. Oscar's going to win. And in what was kind of an unrealistic moment for me, you have her and Baron both going for the be- the, 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 the briefcase. briefcases. And they're fighting over it. It's like, okay, you guys aren't going for the same one. You can grab this one and you can grab this one and you both win. Right. But instead, they're like trying to fight over it. And then Baron takes a bump for a female wrestler who he outweighs by 150 pounds. Right. And is a good, what, uh, eight inches taller? Maybe right. More. Well, yeah, no, he's six, eight. She's like five, five four. three, five, four. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, he's got over, uh, uh, you know, a foot on her, of uh, you know, almost a foot and a half on her. He has to outweigh her by at least 150 pounds. And he takes this huge bump. He doesn't slip. He doesn't um, kind of stagger. He takes a huge bump. And I'm going, okay, like I'm all free quality. And obviously I'm you know, one of the hugest fans of women wrestling, but it it didn't make sense from a realistic perspective. Oh, not at all. And, 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 it, and like, and why would Oscar care? Especially because she's a heel, he's a heel. Why would she stop another heel from winning? That's a man and has something to do with her. Right. It, it just makes zero sense. Yeah. It, 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 the, and then you have Baron throwing people off the roof. Um, the Baron Corbin, we witnessed Baron Corbin murdering two people. He threw two right. people off a roof. And so, then they're like, just kidding. Uh, they really fell on another roof. And then that you was have the four whole, feet below that you can't see in this. If it's that short, you see it. Right. And well, here's the other thing, too. You had that segment where uh, Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles go in Vince's office and Vince comes in. And that was just stupid. You know, there there were a couple of like dry chuckle moments there, like when AJ's like, "You you were such a wimp in there," you know, like that was funny, but that was the only yeah. thing. You know, it was it, it just was dumb. It was obviously set up, and again, where they're not using the same video quality, and the whole thing, and then it comes out afterwards. And I said during that spot, um, "Well, Vince doesn't want them to destroy that massive freaking T Rex head in his office, and who has a T Rex head in their office?" That's right, man. Obviously, Vince, and I said to myself, who has a T-Rex head in their office? Vince McMahon has a T-Rex head in his office. Of course, Vince has a T-Rex head. But the whole thing would have been a lot funnier if he said, hey, 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 not in here. What are you doing? Don't mess up the T-Rex head, pal. Take it outside. That would have been funny. Yeah. If they just acknowledged the T-Rex head in the room and get the fact that he didn't want a brawl messing up his stuff. But there's a whole, like, just standing there looking at each other and Vince stands there staring at them. It was just dumb. Let's be realistic. Vince is just a, 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 you know, hundred millionaire, billionaire version of Tiger King. Yeah. I mean, from what I, I haven't seen it, but from what I hear of Tiger King, that's a very apt analogy. You know, I mean, Vincent Mann is just Joe Exotic if he had money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Vince would probably have a tiger. I'm, I'm, I, I, actually, I, I, I would I, doubt I, he I, has I, a tiger yeah. or two. That 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 was what I was going to say. And what made me think it was I was surprised he didn't have like a pet tiger in there or something, you know. Dressed as Scarface. Uh, well, well, just have a pet tiger just over in a cage. Maybe they don't see it at first. And then uh, Daniel 
takes a shot. AJ takes a bump over by the cage and the tiger comes right up the edge of the cage and AJ takes off running, you know, something like that. Like I'm, I'm honestly surprised we didn't have that spot. Now I'm kind of afraid somebody's going to hear <laughs> that. Vince, and use Vince it. is going to do it. Oh, I love it. Pal. That's great stuff. Pal. Tiger. I got a real <laughs> live tiger in my office. That would be great. Get it? Yeah. That would be great. Yeah, I wasn't going to acknowledge that. No, not to you acknowledge it. Like, that's what Vince would say to yeah. as he's pitching to his yeah. right creative staff. Yeah. And then the one thing I did think was kind of funny because I've always thought they should do the spot was where the two guys are fighting for this at the end for the briefcase and then they drop it and another guy catches it. And so I kind of like that because I'm. That's one of those things that, like, when I've done fantasy booking and stuff, I've been like, I could, I, I could see that happening where you've got a bunch of guys, they're fighting for it, they lose control, and another guy grabs it. But they kind of uh, did that with the tag team match, um, with Morrison falling with it. Right, but he wasn't up there. I mean, he was up there though, so it, it so it wasn't so much he. It wasn't was, exactly the same, but it was right. like. You know, Kofi and and uh, Jimmy had the things and had in their hands. He was kind of there, touching it, but not really grasping it. He kind of right. fell with it. So that, I kind of was like, right. "Did they just do that?" Here's what I don't get. I know what they were trying to do when they have, well, Otis can't climb the ladder; he's too fat. At the same time, they get another ladder up there, and you've got two guys on the same side of the ladder. Okay, so now. The ladder won't hold Otis as 320 pounds, but it'll hold 500 pounds of two guys. Well, let's say 450, but yeah, that that was completely unbelievable. Yeah, and so, and here's the thing: like, I I like Otis. I think it's great that they're getting him over because when I first saw him, I thought he was somebody they would never get over. Just knowing how Vince is about bodies, mm-hmm. but at the same time, you've got a guy who's a world class wrestler. And he's just, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, he's like fat bastard. Yes, yeah. And, you know, I'm just like waiting on him to look at Dolph Ziggler and be like, get in my belly, you know. So. (laughs) I can can imagine him doing that. Especially because he kicks off the whole food fight. And I'm like, you're not helping this guy at all, you know, with his, you know, with his physique being – a potential detriment by having him inside a food fight. Right. And, you know, uh, uh, at the same time, they're making him and Mandy somewhat believable, and they're somehow getting Mandy over as a baby face. See, uh, see, I'm not buying it. Like, she just looks like a heel. Oh, exactly. I mean, in, in ideal settings... Mandy would be the heel because she's got that personality naturally. If you watched her on Tough Enough, she's got that personality naturally. That she's a little uh, comes off condescending. Now, I've heard plenty of people who know her say in real life, she's a sweetheart. She just comes across on camera as she's better than everyone else. And Sonia would be the baby face because she's the one who's overcome so much in her life. Mm-hmm. You know, she would be the baby face. Uh, and if you've ever heard her talk, she's very charming, actually. Oh, yeah. And she can be very, very likable. 
they're, they're doing some mismatch booking right now where the wrong people are in the wrong positions. And that, but at the same time, they are making it look like, okay, Mandy really likes Otis. She's not doing this as an angle. She's not Trish Stratusing him. That she actually likes something about this guy. Yeah, I mean, I think, but the thing is, I think they did a better job of that um, even before the whole angle kicked off. But, well, so then I transitioned into and actually made some notes okay. um, on Raw the next night. So my first thing was I said that the Money in the Bank uh, recap video was better than the match. Oh, definitely. Oh, my God. Because the match, I mean, I don't even want to talk about the travesty of, you know, of most of the women's side of, of that was. Well, the whole match, I mean, there have been two times lately where – I was just sitting here watching going, I'm so embarrassed right now as a wrestling fan. One was the Bray Cena match, or if you want to call it match, match in air quotes that was at trash. WrestleMania. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a, and, it was not a match. It was, and then ugh, so this men's slash women's money in the bank movie, you know, I'm watching it and I'm just like, Oh my gosh, I'm because I don't want people to look at me and go, You've been a wrestling fan your whole life. This is what you love so much. No, that's not what I love so much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, uh, I liked earlier in the night when it was Drew McIntyre and Seth Rollins because, you know, I meant to say this earlier, Seth did what he was meant to do. He got Drew over more yeah. because everybody knows Seth's been the top guy for the past two years. You know, he beats Drew, you know, beat Brock and was like six minutes, something like that. Mm -hmm. And then he beat Seth Rollins in a long competitive match. Uh, but that I enjoy. But then at the end of the night, when you got this, you know, movie of the week farce, it was just ridiculous. And to cap the show off with that farce right. now, on top of it. But the next night, they made it look interesting. And then, of course... Uh, we went into my big problem with Money in the Bank was there was no world title match on it, except for whether well, the universal title. There, sorry, I meant no no women's world title match, mm -hmm. which was like they had done that at Elimination Chamber. Elimination Chamber, there was no world title match. Period. Right. Then they had no women's title match at Money in the Bank, and I'm going, well, we couldn't find some time to have uh, Becky or uh, Bailey do a match and, and you know, you know, beat, nobody could beat Lacey Evans, you know? Right. So, but then we find out the next night at least why Becky wasn't there because she makes her announcement. Uh, you know, she starts making the announcement, and then she stops, and she said, then she says, uh, well, here's the Money in the Bank briefcase and then Oscar comes out and says that's mine she says well yeah I had wanted them to up the stakes and now it was for the Raw Women's Championship so even though you guys didn't know this you were actually competing for the Raw Women's Championship which I, I to me was kind of dumb that they did that and then went oh by the way after the fact that was for the championship yeah I didn't I, I, I it would have made much more sense to say uh, 
the women's championship has been vacated. Becky Lynch is going to make an announcement regarding that tomorrow night on Raw, so please tune in. Um, but tonight it's going to be for the championship instead of for an opportunity. If they had just done that, it would have made tons more sense. It would have made more sense. Here's the, my only thing, and not really in defense of it. I just wish they would have executed a little better because the surprise of having the title inside the Money in the Bank briefcase wasn't the turnoff for me. It was just the way that they revealed that information. Right. So for me, if Becky would have came out, um, well, how did Becky get the briefcase? Was exactly. the belt in there the whole time, or did Becky put it in there? You know, it there was just a lot of things that didn't make sense about it. Exactly. And, and you've got Becky making this very somber announcement. And my my note on that was that Oscar took away from the focus in the Becky segment because you right. have. I wanted Becky to come out. I would have preferred Becky come out without the belt. She right. comes out. She, you know, she makes her. She she says what she's got to say. Says exactly everything that she says, and then at the end, she's like, you know, and the reason why I'm walking away is because I'm going to be a mother, and you know, and then you have all the faces, at least of the female roster, come out, you know, hug her, congratulate her, you right. know, supporting a woman, you know, making the choice to be a mother, and you have your really, really great feel good moment, right? Um, and then and, back, and then backstage later on, you know, you have. You know the, the you know the women that were involved in the match, at least Baszler and stuff. You know, going to Stephanie. So what's going on? What's going on with the championship? Who's mm-hmm. you know is it's is it vacated? What's going on? Right. And then you know Oscar's asking questions. You know what's going on? And then you know Stephanie um, you know hands her a piece. You know Oscar a piece of paper, something something that says, "Hey, this is the combination to." Uh, you know, to your your briefcase, you might want to open this when you have a chance. And then maybe they could have had a, a you know a separate scene where Oscar's by herself, or she was Kyrie, or whatever. And she's trying, you know, she opens the safe, and something with the kind of the goofiness that she's been doing having fun. And the case opens, and she realizes, wow, she won the championship. Well, like, see, I don't even like that because that's just too goofy for me. Uh, I would have. I I still say you know you either have them announce at money in the bank or on smackdown before money in the bank hey uh becky lynch has a personal situation we're vacating the royal women's championship now the money in the bank will be for the women's championship okay now you have more reason to tune in to to money in the bank now you have more reason to to get the network and watch it if they announce on smackdown Mm -hmm. then you have uh oscar win but maybe she just wins the briefcase. They don't have the belt up there. And then the next night, Triple H comes out in his suit and gives her the belt. Uh, or Stephanie or whoever that's right. going to be the figurehead gives her the belt. But I think combining those two things, because you have Asuka doing the Asuka dance and stuff, and Becky's just kind of standing there like, what's going right. on? It, yeah, that was it just... took away... Uh, and then for it's both like, moments. okay, she's going to be happy for Becky and hug her. Didn't these two just have a knockdown drag out match at Royal Rumble trying to make each other submit? And she's a heel. Right. And now all of a sudden we have, and, and, and this is something I have in my notes for the next week. You have, okay, well, is Asuka a healer face? She's, well, they they turned her face. With she's that acting moment. like a face. Right. So they yeah. turn her face. 
but then you got Kyrie who's still acting like a heel, but as her partner, and she's still dressed in her evil Kyrie her, outfit. Right. You know, and that doesn't make any sense. Uh, so to me, just the whole segment didn't work. Um, and they even, and Oski been posting on Instagram, you know, a, a, you know, a loving, you know, waving goodbye to her. Like, like they, they turned her face and, and now no one knows what's really going on. Right. It's, with her. it's Lex Luger big show syndrome where yes. they had turned those guys heel and face so many times. You never knew what side they were on. And then, uh, there was a backstage segment with Becky and some other people. And I was just kind of neutral on that. It didn't impress me or depress me mm. um my next note was that the viking raiders are ruined uh you, you know, know they they literally bring in the the best hottest tag team uh from the independent scene and just within a year they're a comedy duo it, they they went, were they were killing it in Japan. Right. Well, um, even when they first came in, they came in to NXT and they just ran roughshod. Yeah. And then they went up to uh, they went up to Raw. And if I recall correctly, they didn't even have them drop the NXT belts directly. It was like a three way match or something like that. Where the a, it was a ladder match. It was right. a ladder match where the Street Profits won. Right. So it wasn't even like they lost. You know, they were keeping right. them strong and they win the raw tag team titles. And then they just start dropping the ball with them once they won the belts. They have them lose to Gallows and Anderson at, at the best team in the world. Mm -hmm. And then they have them just, they drop the belts. And then it was just like, then they weren't around. And now they're doing these goofy vignettes with the Street Profits. Now, you like probably don't 80s. like them. But those vignettes are like I they I like them because the, the four of them seem like they're having a lot of fun doing these vignettes. They may be having fun doing it, but who's getting over with it? And, then, and, and, and they're also both face tag. Is it is it so, is it a, making any? I mean, here's the thing. What I feel like they were trying to do is recreate what Matt Hardy and MVP did where they would have all those different competitions. Against there are each other. shades of that as well as some, but you know, Mr. Perfect stuff. You had an over baby face and an over heel in that. And that made more sense here. You right. got two face teams, two face teams that are not really being taken seriously in my opinion. Correct. And, and what money are they making off of it? What, what's making the money about this? This doesn't want to make me want to see those two teams wrestle each other. It doesn't make me want to spend money to see them wrestle. The, they're, the vignettes are because they're because I can see them having fun and they're and I hear people you know laughing and enjoying the comedy. The vignettes are actually too good in that aspect because like like you said, no one wants to see them wrestle. People are actually wanting to see more of the vignettes and actually see them do battle in the ring. If because you've got two face teams but, that you're both kind of cheering for right. to but kind of see who again, tops what, and it's and it's and it's not it's not wrestling. Again, it's the, it's not making anybody money. Right. Where's the payoff in this? That that's the thing. Whenever you're doing anything in this business, and it is a business, it should be towards the goal of this is going to make people want to spend money on coming to the show, or to make them put down money to see a pay-per-view 
or that they're going to watch where we're going to get ratings off of it. And doing a two or three minute vignette is not going to gain you a lot of ratings. Right. So there have been vignettes in the past that made you want to see things. And that's the purpose of vignettes. This is just like, to me, Vince being the immature grown man that he is having a laugh. Yes. Uh, you know, when like, you're in pal, your 70s, you got these two athletic black guys, right? And they're going to play basketball. Yeah. And they're going to do all these great basketball things. And then the Vikings, they're going to suck, right? Like, they're really going to suck, pal. And then at the end, after they lose, they're going to be like, you know, black guys, we could have beat you. And then they're going to slam dunks the ball. Isn't that great stuff? Yeah. It, it was just dumb. Um, so there it also showed that Dawkins cannot play basketball. Right. Uh then we moved on and they did uh the recap of the Edge Orton feud, which was really well done. Mm-hmm. Uh then we saw uh Garza versus Tazawa. And that match was just kind of there, you know. Not bad. Not a bad match. Right. It wasn't it, bad, but it, it wasn't it, it kind was, of kind of fell out of out of place a little bit exactly that's what i mean by it was there it was there it wasn't there was no real reason for it it wasn't building on anything it just kind of happened um and someone has to explain to me how garza's finishing move actually hurts it looks like nothing yeah it looks like nothing. i mean there are moves that look devastating but do nothing um, and then there are moves that maybe don't look like anything but really hurt. But I'm looking at this and I'm going, I, I don't see how you pin somebody with that move. Yeah. Um, then, and this this just irked me. You have champion versus champion on a random Raw with no publicity. You have Andrade versus Drew McIntyre. U.S. champ versus universal champ, world champ, whatever. And you have there's no press about it there's no build up to it it's just there which is you know silly because you've got which are supposed to be the two best individual work wrestlers on your brand all right. of a sudden have this match and out of nowhere and that should be hey that should be a clash of the titans i mean right. that's what that's what partially you know of what made uh, warrior and hogan so special because right. it's the top two guys right or when you would have in the NBA Flair versus Luger, because Luger was the perennial U.S. champion. Right. And then you have him challenging Flair. Uh, it really made it special, and this just threw it away and said, ah, you know, it's not that important. Um, it also was not nearly as good as their NXT match. Uh, of course, yeah. Drew got injured in that match, but they had a great match. Um, and talk about a move that looks like it kills you. That Hammerlock DDT. Yes. I, I know we talked about before, but how do you protect yourself from that? I have no idea. I really don't. And, but that was a, uh, and I was really, I put this here. Um, I was stunned. They acknowledged that there was a history between the two of them because so many times WWE doesn't just ignore history of other promotions. It ignores its own history. Yes. And they were going, no, these guys feuded before. Okay. You 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 made me care about this a little bit more. Right. 
could could even brought up the injury. Could right. say, hey, Andrade injured, you know, McIntyre, which you know derailed some of his ascent to the top where he finally is, you know, finally achieved. Right. And my next note was that Drew makes a good champion. Uh, I do wish he was a heel champion, but well, I just think he makes a good champion because he's believable. Uh, he's got the good size, but at the same time, he's a great worker. Mm-hmm. Uh, he looks like a million bucks, you know, uh, he's one of those people that you see and you go, who is that guy? Yeah. You know, he has because you have presence. this guy who's, you know, six, four, six, five, you know, very handsome, great physique. And then he goes out there and shows the charisma and he goes out and he shows he can do things and he's, and he's, a, he's a full grown man. Now, if you go back and watch when he first came in. And he was the the chosen one. Yes, he looked like a child. Well, he looked like a, a six foot four child. A, he's got a baby face. So that beard helps him out a lot. Right, the beard helped, but he also filled out too. Yes, he he matured into his body, you know. Uh, and he he looks like someone who should be a champion, mm-hmm. but he can also back it up. Uh, with what he does in the ring, because there have been so many times we've seen people. Oh, they look like they should be champion, but you know, but they really can't deliver a right. la uh, Alex Luger, although Luger, when he went to, could work. Um, but somebody who just, there have been a lot of people over the years that, oh, that guy looks like he should be a champion, but he just didn't have it. You know, mm-hmm. Tom McGee syndrome. Right. Um, then uh, Drew did a bit where he was doing like multiple nicknames like Shawn Michaels, mm-hmm. and I thought that was hilarious. Um, then we had the, uh, this was something that made me happy because it involved some of my favorite people. So we had the moment of bliss and the iconics come back. So I was glad to see them come back. Um, although I was really, and this is just one of those things for me, I was really bothered by Peyton's colored contacts. Uh, because she has, she has contacts in that make her eyes lighter and you know, uh, over the past few years, I, I don't like the change she's made. She's gotten super skinny. She got the implants. Now she's got the fake contacts. She's got the haircut short and dyed. When she was in NXT, she looked like a Victoria's Secret model. She had the voluptuous figure and she had the long dark hair and she just looked great. Uh, but it, it, it and I, and I, I said back then when people say, "Oh, you must think Alexa Bliss is the best looking woman in wrestling." I'd say, "No, it's Peyton Royce." Uh, now, she's trying too hard. Uh, we had uh, a match where they then we see that the Iconics challenge uh, Bliss Cross uh, in a non-title match, which really should be their name because just calling them the tag team of Alexa Bliss and uh, well they have some merchandise out that says Bliss Cross but they never announced it in fact I just I got a new shirt like Friday that says Bliss Cross applesauce but they always just say the tag team of right announcing of Alexa Bliss and Nikki okay anyway but they're doing what I said they should be doing which is making the women's tag titles mean something again by they're on one show not their home show but they're the tag team champions, so they can go to any show. Right. And then you have the Iconics going, no, we want those belts. 
those belts mean something. We want them. We had them before. We want them back. And we had the match, but the thing was you had uh, a horrible finish to it because you have yes. a bad finisher, and then you have the champions get beat. This is a match that should have ended in DQ mm-hmm. where you know the, the champs are going to win, they you know there's the double team there's some type of schmaz a weapon gets involved you know something like that and now the champions want a piece of the challengers but instead we get a pin and that's just not how you do it um and their finisher which was like a a a belly to back version of the magic killer just looks Mm -hmm. ridiculous it doesn't look like it hurts no um and, they, and even though they was a little bit of a underhanded tactics, it wasn't it wasn't much. It was normal tag team tactics. Like they didn't do anything really heelish to get that win. Right. Then you have Seth with like his team, and he looks like a giant compared to them. And I you said, say that like he he's not that much taller. And Buddy Murphy was looking super thick. He looked like a vanilla, orange topped milkshake. When he came out, like he was looking really thick. When he well, came he, out. It, it, at the same time, it's just like everyone. Seth's not that tall of a guy, but his team is short, and yeah. I don't think of Seth being a big guy. I think of him being a smaller guy, and so when he's bigger than people, it tells you how small that person is. Yeah, and and that's all I'm saying by that. And it hurts and, not having um, AOP because they keep getting hurt. And so here, here's my other thing is I, I was really surprised that they acknowledged that Becky and Seth are together still. Mm. It well, was one why? thing. Why wouldn't he, they? Like here, they here's why, and I'm about to answer that question. I was about to okay. answer it before you said. When they were both baby faces, it made sense. Mm-hmm. Now you've got Ireland's sweetheart, the, the face of the women's division, even arguably the face of Raw for the past year. And she's the goody goody good girl. And her boyfriend's a cult leader, an evil cult leader at that. Her her boyfriend's David Crash of WWE. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. I mean, it's you know, it's one of those things where they would have never had, you know, if Hogan and Sherry were together, they would have never acknowledged it. Right. You know. So you've got Becky who you've built up as the face. Like, if you go on Fire Stick and you hover over WWE Network, it's a picture of Becky. Okay? Yeah. Not Becky and Becky. Okay? She's the face. They've built her up. And then you've got Seth, who's kind of come down the ladder a little bit. Still top guy, but he's come down the ladder a little bit. Yeah. But now he's this evil, you know, cult, you know, children of the sun type guy. How does that work? You know, that was what I put, you know, there. How does it work? He's a heel cult leader. She's Ireland's sweetheart. Why isn't she one of his followers? Yeah. You know, it just doesn't make sense. I'm big on people making sense. Um, my last note on that show was they had this the segment where uh, Shayna came out and she was just kind of just made some distasteful comments about yes. parenthood and stuff like that. And I just felt the whole thing was in bad taste. It didn't get her over for me as a heel. And it was it was forced. It was just this is in bad taste. 
Yeah. You just had this announcement. You couldn't wait a week. You couldn't wait till the next week to have her say something. You know, it's it that's, was just that's, in that's poor good taste. Good casting, Vince McMahon. Right. It's just in poor taste. You know. Yeah. yeah. Um. I mean, it, it, you know, don't get me wrong. I think distasteful things have their place. Um. You know, if you're at an Anthony Jeselnik show, you're not going to expect stuff in high quality as far as taste goes. Yeah. But I, I do expect a certain amount of, of good taste from WWE. As odd as that may sound. <laughs> I was about to say. I, I, think, I mean, I mean, I I mean think do we really, think, though? No, I, I, just to me, there's certain lines you don't cross. I agree. There are lines that you shouldn't cross. But I mean, there's, I mean, what line hasn't Vince crossed? I mean, outside the incest thing, that and the, only, and the only reason he didn't do that is because Stephanie shot it down. Right. At the same time, like, there was even some things they didn't do in the Attitude Era, but, I mean, to me, this was up there with the whole miscarriage thing. As far as being in bad taste and just being yeah. one of those things that people are going to look back and go, oh, they shouldn't have done that. Hey, it's definitely one of those things where they definitely shouldn't have done that. Yeah. And it, yeah, it didn't, it didn't go over well, you know. And I don't, I, yeah, it just, it, it was flat and it felt forced to me. And I was like, I get that you're trying to get Shayna to be this, you know, super, super evil heel. This, I don't give a F about anybody type of woman, right. but it's, it, it, it. it didn't get her over, you no. know. So, there's being over as a heel and there's being disliked. Uh, and you're pushing her into Xbox territory when you do things like that. Right. You know, so then we went to the next week. Um, and I must have been in a bad mood when I read this because I put good recap on Becky's career, her highlights, and her announcement. I thought that was a really well done video. Mm-hmm. Then we had Randy Orton cut a promo where he talks about wrestling is what they do. And it's like, really? Because I thought it was sports entertainment. They don't even acknowledge that they WWE. They don't say the W word. Yeah. Right. Uh, they said a few years ago, WWE doesn't stand for World Wrestling Entertainment anymore. It's just WWE, which I thought was the dumbest thing ever. But they right. said that. And then he says, you know, it stands for World Wrestling Entertainment. Well, where were you, Randy? Did you not hear that announcement with he, the rest he, of us? He didn't get the memo. Right. And then his blow off with Edge what they're building to is a straight wrestling match. This is booking backwards. Yes. Because, okay, well, you start with the basic wrestling match and then you escalate. They did the Iron Man, or not Iron Man, the, the last man the standing, last man match, standing match, match first, where it's crazy and there's weapons on stuff. Now, okay, we're going to have a straight wrestling match and that's our blow off. That makes no sense. That's like saying, okay, we're going to start with the Super Bowl. Well, the only only way it could possibly make sense is if Randy's promo said, "You know, Edge, you you were a great champion, and you know you got hurt and it took you away from the game for so long. But you know, the only reason why you beat me is because you got to hit me with this and this and that and this and that. Right? You know, Edge, you were never better than me. I'm the better pure wrestler. I'm a third generation star. You could never ever beat me. You know, without gimmicks and." and ladders and chairs and crap. And then maybe you can convince me that the straight wrestling match is the payoff, but we didn't get that. Yeah. And, and my other thing was I put that both edge and Orton are showing their age. 
What, just the grays all over the place? Not just the, well, I mean, with Randy, you're getting more of the grays. With Edge, you're getting some wrinkles. Yes. Okay. Uh, and so, uh, I mean, I, I looked up Randy's age at the time, and I was like, really? I think he looks older. He's what, 42? No, I think he just turned 40. Okay. Or maybe he's 42, but he, but I was like, this guy's, he looks older than he, you know, I, I look at him and I go, I think he looks older than I do, and I'm older than he is. Uh, so to me, that was, that was just a note, not important. It's just a note. Um, then we no, had, you're Seth, right. He just turned 40 this year. Yeah. 1980. Yeah. And I'm 44 and I look at that guy and I go, he looks older than me and he's in much better shape. Um, the other thing I had was we had a pro promo by Seth that I said was just bad, forced and not believable. Um, there were a lot of bad promos on this show, and I and I ranted about that. Um, and then when they talked about Ray being at home with his family, and I was dumb enough to ask whatever happened to Dominic, and we'd find out eventually. <laughs> um, and then, and then I said after hearing Umberto's heartfelt promo, Seth was great in retrospect because Umberto's promo was just that bad. And then we had a fun match between Murphy and Umberto. Uh, where it was a good finish, where it was like Umberto's going to get the win, he gets distracted, and then he gets hit with what they call it, Murphy's Law. Murphy's Law, yeah. yeah. Terrible um, name. Which, it's a terrible name, but it's a cool finish. Yes. And so he, uh, he hit, that was a fun match, uh, but it shows that the Umberto experiment is over. Do you really think it's completely over? I think as far as him being taken seriously for now, yes, uh, because, okay. it, you know, the word's been going around for a while. Vince is down on him. You know, uh, Paul E is, is big on him. Heyman's big on him, but Vince is down on him. Uh, gotcha. And it's kind of been like with Cedric Alexander and Ricochet, too. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you on that. So you, you, real, real quick, you mentioned Ricochet and, and Cedric, and I wanted to bring this up to you uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, uh, well, let me ask you before, I, let me ask you, are you familiar with the Beatdown crew? Um, vaguely. Okay. Um, so I, with the, and we haven't mentioned it much, and as we will later on as we go through the Raw, um, I'll mention it then. So continue. Okay. So my next note was there was a, a segment backstage with MVP and Lashley. Yes. And the whole thing just felt awkward. The like conversation it, felt awkward to you? The, yeah, the conversation, the whole mood, it just, I'm just watching, I'm just going, this is awkward. Like, you know, I mean, not awkward like seeing your girlfriend kiss another dude in front of you but it just was awkward you know uh like they weren't on the same page um they didn't have the same tone um the only thing i really took from that promo that was relevant was them saying it's been 13 years since lashley had a shot at the wb title mm -hmm. and i was like wow has it been that long and i was like wait yeah it was when you know i guess it was him and cena Right. Uh, and, you know, that was, you know, obviously he was gone for a long time, but I guess I'd assume since he came back, he had had a title shot, but I guess no. he hadn't. Um, 
So that was, um, so that was one of the, the big takeaways I had from that. And then we went into um, a Kyrie Zane promo. Okay. Well, okay. And, well, let me, well, before you go into that, uh, Kyrie, actually, because those two were what I wanted to kind of um, mention. So you mentioned that, you know, Ricochet and Cedric have been low on the list for, for Mr. McMahon. Um, and back in TNA, the beatdown crew was comprised of MVP, Bobby Lashley, Tangaloa, and I'm trying to forget, I forget the fourth. Um, but there was, it was a pretty good stable and they generated uh, a heel stable, generated a lot of heat and was really a big catalyst in, in, in Bobby's push. Um, to the top. And I'm wondering if MVP has convinced them to try to potentially recreate a, a stable similar to what they had in TNA uh, in WWE. And it looks like they may go that way with kind of MVP kind of looking like he's going to be acting as Bobby's uh, mentor slash, you know, manager. Right. I mean, I obviously they are using him as like a manager for Lashley. Uh, and I think it's probably a good role for him as he's getting a little bit older and he doesn't need to take bumps as regularly. Having said that, uh, and I think he's the best manager Lashley's had so far. Um, I think he's, he, he's more mature than Leo on the mic. Um, he's always been a great talker. Oh, yeah. And it kind of fits just having him come in there uh, because Lashley, I mean, even though he's a big monster of a guy, he just doesn't seem menacing to me. Well, he but does, you but have, he's, he, his smile is such a... Exactly. Yeah. And, but if you, and MVP's got that edge to right. him. Right, especially if you know his legit history. Yeah, I mean, the man's, the man's been locked up. Right, exactly. Um, so my... You know, my feeling is, is, yeah, maybe they're going to do something like that. At the same time, once Vince is down on someone, it's kind of hard to get him going again. But I wouldn't mind seeing if Lashley turned face at some point, him and Ricochet and Cedric Alexander forming a stable. See, I would, I would, I would think that they may, if they do a beatdown crew type thing, having MVP be their mentor too, giving them an an edge having them be athletic, but the, also, you know. The, the problem with that think, is I can't see MVP as a baby face and Ricochet and Cedric Alexander are much better as faces than heels. I thought Cedric was, no, Ricochet definitely. He just yeah. looks like a baby face. But Cedric, I mean, I, I, I liked some of his heel work in the Indies. I mean, that, you know, but at the same time, he's like Lashley and he's got that big smile and does, yeah. that energy and it's just so natural for people to cheer him, you know, uh, it, it, even more so, I'd say, than and, Lashley. And high flyers, it's, it's, it's because hard, he's not a monster. Yeah, it's hard to, you know, people have a hard time booing high flyers unless they're like <laughs> doing swantons on top of women or something. Right. So my next note that, that I started on was, you know, we, we had a Kyrie Zane promo. And I said, I take another one back after hearing Kyrie Zane speak. Umberto is Ric Flair on promos. 
That's a direct quote from my notes. <laughs> um, that was just they they just shouldn't put a a, a a microphone in front of her on on that scale of television. She's you know English is not her first language. She's not comfortable on the mic. Not even her fourth language. Yeah. Like yeah. It's, so yeah. I did put that Oscar looks genuinely happy. And hopefully they're going to do something with her and this reinvigorates her. Because we did talk about on the last episode ideas for restarting Asuka, so to speak. Right. And, you know, for the first time in a while, she looked like she was feeling herself. And she looked comfortable. Mm-hmm. And she looked like she wanted to be there. Not like she was just there. She looked like she wanted to be there. Uh you know, but then asking, you know, is she a healer or face, you know, and then we have, you know, uh, you know, and then we had Kyrie playing a recorder. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah. And so, uh, and then there's the interruptions and stuff because you have Charlotte come out and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, my thing is, how long before Charlotte wins the tag belts so that she can claim having all the titles again? Well, we've got two Grand Slam champions before her. Well, no, here's the thing. Not, there's no one who has been NXT, Raw, SmackDown, and Divas champion. Except for her. So, uh, okay, so then... So, see, so I the only belt because I didn't think once, they were counting the divas as as an no, option. No, they did because there was a uh, just about to say when she won the SmackDown title, mm-hmm. they did a, a photo on WWE Network of her with all four of the belts and showing that she's the only one to have ever done it. They had her with the NXT belt, the divas belt, the Raw, and the SmackDown belt, mm. and they were selling these promo photos about that and i think there was maybe even an article about it but so she was the last divas champion that's right so unless they bring that belt back or someone who held that belt you know a mickey james or somebody like that comes back and wins all the other belts she's gonna be the only one see i thought they were took that out of that belt to the history of one of the belts no no if you look at their official history they retired it when she came into wrestlemania against becky and sasha she was not the champion they were wrestling for the the, what would be the wwe women's championship right and then later became the raw championship but and then the smackdown belt was established on its own own right like a year later year and a half later Hmm. but there but it does not share lineage with the Divas Championship, nor does it, nor does the current Women's Championship share any history with the past WWF Women's. See, I thought that they said that, and maybe I'm wrong, but I, I thought that they said that, um, that Bailey had become the first uh, Grand Slam champion. Well, she has in that she's held the NXT, Raw, SmackDown, and tag belts. Right. But she never held the Divas title. Right. So now for Charlotte to have another photo op like that or claim something else, she's got to win the tag titles. Right. So that was, you know, that was just another note. And then I put, how bad are promos when Asuka's was one of the best? 
I've always, I mean, even though she's, you know, sometimes struggles, she does, she gets her point across. Well, in NXT, all she would ever do is they would set it up and she'd say, nobody oh, they, ready for Asuka. You know, they set her up, but I mean, right. I, she's done better, you know, over, over the time. And that, but I guess Asuka is a face now, but it's Kyrie. Why is she still wearing her evil attire, which I brought up earlier? Well, she's she's a face now after last week, but. And then we have, uh, well, everyone's, I put, everyone's promos are so bad, Corbin sounds good. Oh, that's what happens when you overproduce. And then I put, can we end the Ron Killings experiment? Uh, we'll, we'll elaborate, because a lot of people uh, seem to be enjoying what uh, our Ron Killings is doing. I, I don't know if it's because I know so much about him personally um, with him being from Charlotte, knowing some of the same people and just him yeah. over the years, but I've never been a Ron Killings fan. Uh, I don't, I've never enjoyed anything he's done in the ring. Even when he first came to WWE, didn't enjoy him in TNA. Um, you know, even looking back when they pushed him as a main event guy, Back in, I yeah, guess, I mean, him, him, 10 to 11, something like that. I mean, him and Miz, when they had that heel run, that was, right. I liked that. That I, was pretty dope. I've just never been a Ron Killings guy. I, you know, you've got a guy in his 40s who smokes, you know, being a, a WB guy. And uh, again, I know a lot about him personally from us both being from Charlotte um, and knowing some of the same people, yeah. though I won't say who. Uh, but I will say this, a move I've never thought actually looked like it hurt was the full Nelson slam. But when Lashley does it, it looks like it hurts. Because mm -hmm. uh, he got he got killings and got him in the full Nelson and then picked him up, just yanked him up and drove him into the mat. And I was like, now that looked like it hurt. Oh, yeah. And the bang it made. Like, uh, that's one of the small pluses of having that you know empty or almost empty arena is when he, you get somebody that slams somebody down it you hear that slam right you hear that wood underneath that that canvas like it's and you really hear it when lashley does it yes when you have a guy that strong um my, my note just to be a smart elk here was you know mvp was out in a suit shouldn't he be wearing a bow tie I think the bow tie would probably actually be a better look for him. What would also be appropriate to his personal life? Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wrote that my gosh, Alana's freak out backstage was bad. I missed that. So you're going to. Yeah. Then you're lucky. I told okay. you you shouldn't watch that episode. Um, but. The, and what is with her face lately? She's got the self tanner on so much. It almost looks like she's wearing brown face. I, it beats me. I don't. There's a lot of things that are going on amongst you know on the women's side that I just do not understand. Right. So then we actually had a tag team title match for for the women. Uh, we saw the return match between the Iconics and Bliss Cross. And one note that I had, and this is just the old school guy in me. I like that both teams were dressed like teams. Mm-hmm. So you had Lexi and Nikki in their courting black, pink, and blue outfits. And then the Iconics were both matching in gold. Right. 
And I thought that was a great touch because I miss the days when tag teams look like tag teams. I, I do too. You know, I mean, you, you know, tag team, they, they look like a team. Right. You know, the hearts were the pink and black. They had the same outfit on. They, the uh, Rock and Roll Express always had the same tights. Uh, once the Midnight Express got to be eaten in a lane, Lane always wore the short tights and Bobby wore the long, long tights, tights. But, but they match still. Right. I mean, so, like, I think, you know, especially during the, you know, late 80s 90s the rockers matched right exactly headbangers matched the hardy boys matched edge and christian matched right well our hardys didn't match but they coordinated uh oh no they matched really with those funky um the ones that the young bucks pretty much copied off of those those match but they didn't they weren't over in those outfits right well i mean when when you say hardys i think about when they were actually over when they got over as a new brood in that yeah coordinated yeah yeah now and then I put um, here in regards to the tag team match, I said, man, Lexi's working her butt off. She's throwing a heck of a working punch. And that's something I never saw from her before. Uh, but her working punch has gotten better. Uh, and and the, 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 I said this, I'll reserve my feelings on the finish of the women's tag match until I see what if that was their way of furthering the feud or blowing it off. And apparently they are furthering the feud. So the DQ I'm okay with. Um, we had a recap of the last ride, which last time I talked to you, you hadn't watched any last ride. I haven't seen it yet. No, but it, there are three episodes in, they skipped this week. They're going to have one after NXT takeover and one after uh, backlash. Okay. Uh, but the, the first one was great because it was covering him going into his match with Roman and whether or not that was going to, how that really was planning to be his last match, but he wasn't happy with it. And there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff like you would never see with Undertaker. You'd see his kids, you see his wife. Mm-hmm. He's completely out of character. He's training and things like that. And then the next episode was about him coming back and working against uh, Cena the next year at Mania. Uh, even though he didn't, wasn't sure he was going to and how they hit him. And, you know, even the workers didn't know he was backstage. And then he talks about doing like the Saudi things, mm-hmm. um, like going and wrestling Rusev in the casket match. Right. And then the third edition he, is all about his feud with Sean and Hunter. And so mm. they show so that is something I would probably be interested in. Right. That they, and here's the thing, I'm not an Undertaker guy, but I found right. all of it interesting, but especially the stuff with Sean and Hunter because they talk about how they got to the, him and Sean, and they talk about him and Sean's past and how they weren't always friends, but then they grew to respect each other, and he was so honored that Sean chose him to be his last match. And they show the, the you know things from the two matches and how they changed them up. Mm-hmm. And then him and Hunter the next year, and then him, Hunter, and Sean in Hell in the Cell with Sean as the referee. Right. And how that was the end of an era. And they talked about how they all have a picture of the three of them at the top of the ramp that Hunter had made for them that they all keep. And so like, which that's one of my all time favorite mania matches. If you recall, I had a hard time not putting that in my top five. It's Um, amazing, amazing matches. I mean, there's, it's, it's it's tough to fill, not fill WrestleMania matches with two, Shawn Michaels and Undertaker matches like right and then they talked about the tag team match from a year ago oh uh, in, in Saudi Arabia again right 
where it was uh sean's return to the ring right so they did him with triple h they showed that and triple h beating him but then him and kane getting their heat back at the end of it Mm -hmm. and then leading to the tag team match and you know they're all like yeah that match wasn't so good shouldn't have done that that's because it was 200 years of wrestling in the ring right exactly you've got four 50 year old guys in the ring and one guy who hasn't wrestled in eight nine years eight, nine years right and he looked the best out of all of them right uh and you had triple h they showed where triple h ripped his peck out the peck. in the match yeah yep. so it was just you know it, they shouldn't have done it yes you know they should have you know like the like the song says they should leave the memories alone that that they everybody knows they did it for the payday like i mean there's there's there was nothing about story or anything or sean getting the itch back everybody knows the four of them did that for the payday yeah and so here was another thing so then the next thing they did was there was a submission match between uh natty and shana and my first note is great natty gets to get squashed again but i will say this and I put this down my notes. Natty got more offense than I thought. It mm-hmm. should, I, I should have considered that she helped train Shayna, which she did help train Shayna when Shayna started wrestling. Yep. Um, and Shayna taught her some uh, catch wrestling. And so I think, you know, Shayna's respect for, for, for Natalia, Natty, whatever you want to call her, led to her selling a lot more for her. Oh, I agree. And I think, I don't know if you follow either one of them. Um, on social media, but they did a very. I, good... I, I used to follow Shana. I follow. I still follow Natty. They they both did a good job uh, keeping uh, heat for that match over social media and mentioning the fact that they trained together and that they knew each other so well. And that was you know what Natty was saying as far as why she, you know she's going to be able to beat Shana because Shana is not as you know dominant as she tries to make herself out to be. And right. I did put this sometimes missing a shot like Natty's tap works to add to the realism because if you watch when they first did it and she got the arm trap down, she did the BJ pin thing and then Natty mm-hmm. tapped on her side, they missed the tap. Right. But the referee called her the belt, but little mistakes like that make it seem more realistic because when they're perfectly zoomed in on everything, it tells you it's a setup. Right. And I like little things like that. Just like when guys are in the ring and they're struggling for something or something doesn't come off smooth. To me, I like that better. It adds to the realism. Right. I like that better than Ricochet and Will Ospreay doing matching backflips and coming out in the same pose. Right. Where it's flawless because that just says to me it's fake. Oh, but you know, Dynamite Kid and Tiger Mask. Well, if you ever go back and watch those, and if you've never seen them, I highly recommend you go back and watch those. But if you watch matches like Tiger Mask and and Dynamite Kid back in the early '80s, they still look like they were struggling. Yes. You know, they looked like they were competing for something, and the flips and things they did added to what they were doing. What they were doing wasn't about the flips. Right. You know, and so, uh, you know, another person who was really great at that was Owen Hart. Mm-hmm. And then on a spot and, where they'd have the knuckle lock and he'd kick the foot and he'd come out and he'd get flipped over and then he'd kick back up and it looked like it was adding to his momentum. And, and honestly, I, I've seen 
um, matches where where Os- with Osprey and Ricochet, where they would do a like they were there would be a struggle, um, and they would try like they would flip out of a, a reversal, and it looked impressive, but it just didn't get over. And unfortunately, what got over for them was the choreographed stuff, and not the more realistic stuff. But and that and that caught so that caught on and got so popular for a minute. But now everyone's like, okay, well, that's super choreographed and that, that flippy stuff. Uh, it's like, video game wrestling. Right. And, yeah. when, and when I've seen them do more realistic stuff, and, and I just feel bad for them because, like, they're known for that, but they've done more realistic-looking stuff and people didn't dig it. So when they do the stuff that's choreographed, people like it, and then they turn on them for it, you know? Right. Well, here's, here's my thing, and I may have known about this earlier. There are some people who, when they come to WWE – it's a detriment to their work. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steen and black, for example. Mm-hmm. However, there are some people who have gotten better by taking on the WWE style and, and adding it to what they do. Uh, Ricochet would be one because Ricochet never told stories with his matches. Right. Um, and I've seen him as Ricochet and King Puma and all those matches were, you know, it will try to get to the 630, but it wasn't telling a story. Right. You know, unless he had somebody like John Morrison in the ring to guide him. When and the it was stories just him, he told as King Puma, you know, were not because of him. They were in spite of him. Right. And his matches with Will Osprey. Sorry, but they don't tell a story. No, they're, they're, uh, just, they're great athletic displays. Another person who falls in that same category is Matt Riddle. Because mm-hmm. Matt Riddle is a world-class athlete. He is a legitimate tough guy. But when he's doing the flippy stuff, too, it doesn't come off real. But since he came to WWE, he learned how to still be super athletic, but tell a real story, make it look real, make it look like a struggle. Um, and the other person I would say that that's true of um, and really noticed this week is Aleister Black. Mm-hmm. You know, because uh, when he was Tommy End, I saw the stuff there. I enjoyed it, but I like the story he's telling better as Aleister Black. So those are three guys. Oh, my, sorry, I missed a note here. I put his Natty a heel now, too. I need a scorecard. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I, I just can't see them. To me, if you're going to make Natty a heel, then that means you're really going to use her and maybe put the title on her at least have her in a, in a legitimate feud for the championship like um, they did when she beat naomi a couple years ago right and they yeah. and that was a fantastic run for her and should have lasted longer right they just went to hot shot the belt to charlotte and they cut it off yeah which was, yeah which but, was but she had a great it. run there um it was just that once they got towards survivor series and they figured it was better to have charlotte versus lexi than natty versus lexi yeah which or, i and I can see that, and they also, I think, wanted Charlotte to win at Starcade, but um, to me, it's not that much different. One blonde, fine; the other blonde, I would have been fine with Natty and, and well, Alexa. I, I think in their mind, not just in their mind, I think it's fact. Charlotte's a bigger star than Natty, and that yeah. was what they were looking at because you have the the you know kind of hottest heel female, which at the time was Lexi. 
because she had just come over to Raw and beaten Bailey and was beating Sasha and was beating everybody. Right. And then you put her against Charlotte, who's, you know, uh, been the face of the women's division up until Becky. And then you put the two of them together while Natty is just mainly seen by, I think, a lot of people as a good hand when really she's much better than that. Exactly. Um, so then we had Kevin Owens come out for the Kevin Owens show. And I, I put Kevin Owens still has the best or some of the best ring music in the game. Love his entrance music. Mm-hmm. And then I asked, you know, after his feud with Shane and being more over than he ever was, why are they not doing more with KO? Um, because he went from that feud with Shane, then he just kind of treaded water and then he went into Seth and he beat Seth at Mania, and then he disappeared, but we find out he got injured there. Right. Um, and then uh, I put that what they did with the KO show had promise, but they cut it too short for the debut edition. Um, and then I put, okay, so Austin Theory's out now. So we had him get kicked out by Garza and Andrade. And I said, maybe they'll push him because he has talent, but now he's with Seth as his lackey. So he went from being Andrade's lackey, being Seth's lackey. So I guess that's a promotion. I I guess. Um, well, one, he make it, you all throw Austin Theory into a stable of Hispanics and with no explanation, it didn't make much sense. Right. Um, so when look at, you know, it, it looks like he would fit in more you know, with Seth, but everybody can see that Austin Theories is being used as a Band-Aid right now um, to fill in for injured guys, because that's just what he's doing. Yeah, I, but he's a guy with some real talent, especially if you saw oh, him. Oh, fantastic talent. Oh, yeah. And he, you know, he's a guy who should be, uh, you know, either, I mean, they can pass him off as a cruiserweight. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure he is legitimately. A I think he legitimately weight. is a cruiserweight. Yeah, you he could be tearing up 205 live or tearing up NXT. Um, I would rather see him utilized in a way like that than just being an extra guy. And if they're looking for him to be a mid card star, um, then I think this would be a promotion, uh, especially if he, um, you know, if, if, character-wise, he feels, you know, kind of turns face, you know, realizes he's being used, mm-hmm. you know, by by Seth Rollins and he doesn't want to be lacking anymore and, you know, turns face and, you know, gets, gets to capture the IC or, United, or U.S. belts, depending on what show he happens to be on uh, after splitting from Rollins. I, I think that there is potential there if they're actually going to use him for that. But unfortunately, I think they're just using him as a band-aid, which I think is just sad because he deserves something to really showcase his talent and not just be, hey, Austin, we're just going to throw him in here. All right. So my other notes from here was, you know, finally we had a good promo. Drew came out and cut a good old school babyface champ promo where he's just like, fight anybody, I'll beat them, I'm the best, I'm, you know, fighting champion, just that good old school champ promo that you need from the baby face champ. Yeah. And, you know, I put as a note, and I wonder it all the time is, you know, does WWE know what they have in Drew? Do they know what a special talent he is? 
I don't know. But the thing is, like, they have, even after all the layoffs and furloughs, they have so much talent that it's like you've got too much. You, you, you really, it's tough to dedicate um, and properly build people when you have such an overstock. And I think yeah. that, and I think that's part of the problem. Like you can't. It's tough to see how special Drew is because you have so much other talent waiting in the wings that everyone's, you know, that you've got different people clamoring for. Yeah. No. Definitely. Um, so, you know, I, I think they're trying to, at least they were for a while, trying to occupy every major talent. But then they had the release, the mass release, mass furloughs. Um, However, they still have too much talent that they're not utilizing, but they are getting some talent over, like Apollo Crews, who -hmm. came out and cut a promo, and it was good because it had passion. Yes. You could tell he's passionate about it, and Apollo Crews is a guy that they have dropped the ball with for far too long. So then we go, and I, I check the time. There was only one match left, and that was uh, Drew versus Corbin. And there's my note is 13 minutes left. Is that too much time for a Corbin match? Because that's about five minutes too much in my book. Uh, there was a really cool spot uh, where Drew got superplexed, and he bounced when he hit. And it just looked, uh, it looked really cool because it looked like he just hit so hard he bounced. Yeah. Um, and my other note was, you know, man, Drew is graceful for someone his size. The way he floats over the top rope and can just do some things, uh, there are not a lot of guys who can do what he does, uh, you know, especially at his size. I mean, the guy is a cat. Um, my, here's another note I had. My daughter said it best. King Corbin is just bleh. (laughs) Yeah. And then we get to, uh, the finish, which is a good finish in the match. Hot sequence. And Drew hits the claymore out of nowhere, uh, for the pin. But that was one of those times where you do something out of nowhere and it made sense. Um, and then of course they did the build up with, with Drew and Lashley doing the stare down. Right, um, and, I, and I and I, as much as I'm glad that they're finally going to give Bobby another title, a title shot after so long, I don't want it now because I know he's not going to win. Right, and you know, but they did the same thing with Drew for a while. The difference is, is that Bobby's older than Drew, right? So he has less time. Um, let's go to the next week, real, real quick, because um, my neck hurts and I want to get done. Um, but. <laughs> Raw came from the performance center, but this time they had NXT wrestlers in the crowd uh, to create a crowd. They had them socially distancing, and they had this uh, plexiglass separating it like a hockey ring. And I really liked that. I thought that I was cool. Too. Yeah. yeah, I really dug that. Um, although some of the NXT people were out of character, but I I thought it was cool the way they had that. I think they should keep that um, because I think that's actually a safety deterrent. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's going to be harder for people to throw things into the ring if that's there. And you have less opportunity for someone to go into the crowd and hurt someone. 
So the show opened with the Kevin Owens show and he's interviewing Asuka and then she's interrupted by Charlotte and then they're interrupted by Natalia and then Nia comes out and it was just a big schmoz. But I did like the way Kayo was like, I'm going to get out of the ring now. <laughs> you know, um, Kayo is just the perfect every man, you know, and I think that's why, you know, chubby dudes all over just are like, that's my dude. Yep. Um, and then we had what, what was the highlight of my week, the United States championship match, uh, champion Andrade Cien Almas, although they don't say that anymore. Which is a shame because uh, yeah. it rolls off the tongue yeah. so well. And, and, I, and I, I tell you what, uh, you know, I, I like Andrade. I've got an Andrade shirt, and I love just the music of Andrade. Andrade. Like, it's just, it, it's such a pretentious song, and it fits his character so well. But we had Apollo win. Yes. Apollo Cruz wins the, the United States Championship, and I never thought we'd say that. I really had kind of given up on Apollo with him ever doing anything with him. And if you saw him in NXT or on Proving Grounds, you know what a great guy he is and what a hard worker he is and how much talent he has. Um. And a couple of years ago, he's in like handicap matches where he's there's Tim and I forget who else it was, but against Dolph Ziggler and Dolph's beating them. And maybe it was him and Callisto or something like that. But I'm like, man, they're just burying this guy. But now I'm glad to see they're giving him a push and hopefully it sticks, it, you know, sticks together. Um, well, he, he won. Um, and I was kind of surprised that they had, that the finish was just back to back. Um, you know, standing, um, was it, uh, standing, yeah, back to back, standing moonsaults. Um, but unfortunately, you know, the promo he cut afterwards was shaky. Um, because he was like so happy he finally won, right? But I, I didn't think that made it shaky, I thought that added to the realism of it that this guy's worked so long and so hard. Now he's the United States champion, that title with all its history behind it and what it means. And now he's the champion and he being Andrade, who's supposed to be the future. Uh, I thought it added to it. Okay. Yeah. Um, that was, yeah, but yeah, I was also extremely happy to see Apollo get that title. Yeah. And I was shocked. I did not see I that coming. Yeah. I was extremely happy. In fact, I texted you when I yes, saw you it. Did. Yeah. 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 Um, so then we had uh, a backstage segment with the Iconics and Bliss Cross. So obviously they're, um, they beat the champs down. They take belts and pose with them. So obviously they're continuing the feud. So now I'm okay with the DQ finish from the week before. Um, and then we had, uh, Drew McIntyre on MVP's VIP lounge, and you had to know from the minute Drew came out there and Lashley wasn't there, that MVP was Claymore fodder. And yeah. sure enough, they trade some barbs, and then MVP catches the Claymore. But that's what should have happened. Yes. Now, what should not have happened is the next match where Angel Garza defeated Kevin Owens. I mean, just think about that statement. Angel Garza defeated Kevin Owens. The former Universal Champion, the guy who got the huge push against Shane McMahon, the guy who beat Seth Rollins at WrestleMania, got yeah. pinned with Angel Garza's crappy finisher. Yeah. That's yeah, pretty bad. 
Um, like, it's at first when you say that, I'm like, okay, like, I know Angel's not nearly as accomplished as Kevin Owens, but I'm like, Angel Garza, I mean, he can work. He's, you know, a young guy, but that finish is so weak and so unimpressive. Yeah. <clears throat> so then we had a fun match. Um, we had Alistair Black and Humberto Creo versus uh, Murphy and Austin Theory. And uh, Theory gets the pin with the ATL, which is a really cool finisher, by the way. Uh, he gets the pin, uh, and then and then there's the beat down and after the match where the baby faces are coming back, and then Rollins gets hold of Creo and threatens to put his eye out. <clears throat> Which, by the way, when they did the spot the week before with Mysterio's eye getting pointed out, which somehow we missed over, uh, that traumatized my daughter when she was watching it. She's still talking about that. Mm, wow. Um, which, by the way, I think the whole angle's stupid. Um, so Edge talked about his his match with Randy Orton at Backlash, and now they're they're calling it the greatest wrestling match ever. By the way, there's no chance in the world this will be the greatest wrestling match ever. <laughs> um, MVP confronts Street Profits, which leads to a tag team match with them. Yes. Um, we had the women's triple threat match, and here's why I didn't like. So, so it's side the number one contender for the Raw Women's Championship, but you've got the NXT Women's Champion in there. Unless Charlotte had come out before and said, I'm the NXT Women's Champion, but I'm not happy just being the NXT Women's Champion. I want all the belts. And I want to be, you know, Charlotte three belts or whatever. Mm-hmm. Having the NXT Women's Champion compete for an opportunity at the title devalues the NXT title, in my view. Because Charlotte had done so much to elevate it by going no i want that belt right and the match she had with Rhea at wrestlemania mm-hmm. elevated that belt but her going no i want now i want this other belt and i'm going to wrestle two other women just get an opportunity at it devalues it yes in my opinion you know i i agree because it's like it's like she's trying to be greedy and collect all the belts so what what do you do when you're trying to collect things like that you know, you go for the easiest one first. Right. So then you had uh, just absurdity between our truth and Gronk. Um, Freaking Gronk. And then we had a good promo from Flair. We talked about Randy Orton and how he thinks he's the best um, and that he'll win the match. But we also get it brought up that, you know, Orton um, was kind of handed things. Mm-hmm. Which, if you watch the uh, documentary WWE did on him a few years ago, um, you know, he kind of talks about that himself, you know, that mm-hmm. he didn't have the passion. And he just, you know, he, once he got out of the Marines and, you know, his dad being a wrestler, he just kind of got into it and he thought he was entitled to everything and um, took him a while to get past that. So I thought it was good they brought that up. And. Uh, then we get the, the the erstwhile main event, uh, which is the the Raw Tag Team Champions, the Street Profits versus MVP and Lashley, and we have Lashley doing the beatdown, coming as the illegal guy, slap full Nelson on, uh, not break before the five count and get disqualified, and then Drew comes out and makes the save, and we have a big brawl to end the show. Mm-hmm. 
and that was that was last week's round. You still there? I'm still here. Okay. So that was just kind of a mm, it's there for me, you know, mm -hmm. week. Um it wasn't the the best, uh, but it, it had its moments. Um yeah. then we went the last night um and we had a match I really, really enjoyed. Alistair Black versus Seth Rollins. Mm -hmm. And that was the perfect finish to the match where uh, Black, you know, gets the pin on the roll-up. And then after the match, he gets beaten down. And he gets beaten down. Umberto comes out. He gets the beat down. They both take the stomps. That's how you book. You had your baby face in a great match that's back and forth, and he wins. He wins the battle, but he doesn't win the war. That's how right. you book wrestling. Uh, we got a HBK promo where he said that Ed, Edge will win the greatest match ever, trademark. We had Lana and Brownface arguing with MVP <laughs> um, and slapping him. And then we had. Uh, Kevin Owens and Apollo Crews cut promos on each other where Apollo came out and said he was going to, he thought Kevin Owens deserved the title match. Uh, Owens came out and said, Hey, I think it, you're, it, this is just sympathy because I lost Angel Garza last week and he's who I really want to deal with. And then Apollo says, No, I really do think you've earned it. Look at all you've accomplished. Look at what a great wrestler you are. And I really would be honored to defend the title against you. And Owens says, Well, then I feel bad for you now because your first reign is going to be so short. And, uh, <laughs> but they're kind of booked in a no-win situation, so that's exactly what they did, and they had it end in a no contest with uh, Andrade and Garza coming out and attacking both guys. And then that set up a tag team match, like Teddy Long was in charge or something. You hear me, player? You know what we're going to have now? A tag team match. No, no, you're going to go one-on-one -on -one with The Undertaker. Well, it was always you face Undertaker or he made everything a tag team match. Yeah. Um, but then we had Cruz pin Andrade again, and this time with that, that sweet uh, belly-to-back toss powerbomb that he does. Mm -hmm. So that was cool. Um, more hilarity from the, the – I meant, didn't mention it the week before, but I'll mention it now. But last week we had the Vikings and Street Profits playing, uh, bowl, uh, playing golf. And this week they went bowling. Um, yes. Billy Kay beat Nikki Cross to further that for feud. Right. Um, which is, I mean, that's how you do it. You, you yeah, build you it. it. You have the one on one match, and then they and they did the same thing on SmackDown last week with uh, with Lexi oh, and Lexi. Sasha. Right. Um, and then they're coming back this week with the title match. So I mean, they're they're yeah, actually they, doing something. No, no. Um, they they did it last week on SmackDown with Sasha and Lexi. Oh, they did the okay. exact same must, thing. And then this match. and then this week they're having a tag team title match between Boss and Hug and Bliss Cross. Okay. So the and so on both shows they're building the titles up. Uh, we had the uh, you know Seth do the 
the the retirement ceremony for Ray, and uh, uh, you know, talking about how he was sacrificed, and then Ray appears and says, "I don't know if I want to retire, or if I'm have to retire, or what." And then I was really sorry I asked where Dominic was because Dominic cut a promo, and I, I was longing for like a five minute Kari Zane promo at that point. <laughs> um. And then Dominic says, "Do you read script? You're 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 a scripture guy, an eye for an eye." And I'm just looking at TV, going, "Moron, that's not in the Bible." Okay. Here's a personal aside for me. This is a big pet peeve of mine because people go, "Well, the Bible says an eye for an eye." No, that's from the Code of Hammurabi. Okay, that's an old Persian thing. All right, it's referenced in the Bible, but Jesus says, "I say that's not the case." All right. So it's not from the Bible, comma, morons, exclamation <laughs> point. It's from something called the Code of Hammurabi, study Persian history, and you'll find out all about it. Um, we had Naya making fun of the Kabuki warriors. More hilarity ensued. More hilarity ensued when, when R-Truth regained the 24-7 title. Again, the and, 275th and, time. And Gronk was told not to worry about because now he's with the Bucks. Right. Um, and then we had uh, Naya rough Kari Zane up. And apparently legitimately hurt her, but I think they added that part out. But she gets the pin with a leg drop. Um, but allegedly her tossing Kyrie into the turnbuckles is what has banned the buckle bomb now in yeah. WWE. Yes. Um, and the gash that... Uh, Kyrie suffered is probably what is going to turn her face because it's sick. And then we had um, Randy Orton saying that he's going to win the greatest match ever trademark. And then we get Charlotte Nasca again. And uh, they book themselves out of it again. I mean, this is a point where I can see why they want Charlotte to lose because she recently lost to Bailey. Um, but Oscar really needs to beat Charlotte at some point in this case. They're fighting out. Oscar goes outside the ring. Naya comes out to her, to Oscar's music and wearing Oscar's mask. And then she takes the mask off and she has on Oscar's face paint. And Oscar starts to walk up the ramp and gets counted out. Mm-hmm. So that made Oscar look dumb more than anything in my book. Yeah. Take your pills, Matt. <laughs> um, and then uh, we got the obligatory uh, Drew McIntyre MVP match. Um, and they booked it exactly the way they should have. It's not really a competitive match. MVP takes the Claymore. And then uh, Lashley puts the beat down on McIntyre with the full Nelson afterwards. Now, here's what I will say about that. No one's getting over in 2020 with a full Nelson. Okay. Yes, the full Nelson hurts, and if somebody Lashley size put you in the full Nelson, you're probably going to give up. Yeah. With my neck, I'd give up real quick. But that's a very 80s hold. It's a 70s hold. <laughs> like, it's an old hold. Yeah, but I'm talking about it was really over in the 80s with, like, Billy Jack and Herc and people like that. But and it's a legit hold. It hurts. Oh, yeah. You can get hurt in that move. I mean, there's a reason why you can't, you know, it's the illegal move in freestyle wrestling. There's a reason right. why you can't do a full Nelson. Right. And and people have won MMA matches with a full Nelson. Yeah. 
However, it's just not a move that's going to get you over in 2020. I'm sorry. Well, it's not. Especially when Chris Masters is still in recent memory for, for fans. Well, I'll say this. Lashley's is better than Masters because he locks his hands the right way. Yes. And also... Masters did the gable grip. Right. And that really limits... I mean, a gable grip is good if you are wrestling and you've got a pin and you can't grab a full hand. Mm. But you get the gable grip. And I always like the gable grip. But if you but you it limits how much you can really do as far as applying pressure but if you've got a guy like this and you can really hammer down right you can't see what i'm doing we're on the podcast but it's but and lashley is more they both had great physiques but lashley's more full-bodied if that right. makes sense yeah, it makes sense yeah so that was that um i don't feel like recapping smackdown right now um it's Although I did, uh, I have watched SmackDown faithfully, have not missed a SmackDown since prior to uh, Money in the Bank. I actually watched the, the Go Home show on that, and I've watched uh, SmackDown and Raw every week since then. That's a major accomplishment for me, given my feelings about modern wrestling, which we've documented well on this show. Yes. Uh, watched NXT um, and Keeping Up with the Last Ride. Um, so uh, while that one week with Raw with all the bad promos was kind of painful, um, overall, uh, they're doing a good job with some things. Um, SmackDown 2, Kurt Angle's back, you know. Mm -hmm. His firing didn't last long. I said, you know, I, I, that's a guy they should keep for life, and now I guess Vince is afraid of AEW getting him. Well, as he should be. And we got him uh, – Last week is special referee between Thatcher and Riddle, and then this, and then last week he introduced uh, Riddle as coming up to the Blue Brand. Right. So it's good to see Angle back. It's good to see him with the job. I don't know if he needs money at this point, but uh, he's a guy that really should have a job for the rest of his life for everything he's done for wrestling. Oh, yeah. I don't think people realize how much Kurt Angle did for pro wrestling by being a wrestling gold medalist. Yes, he really and helped, coming to wrestling. He really helped legitimize wrestling for the common man, for lack of a better term. Right. And he did so much. I think Kurt Angle is one of the most diverse stars ever. Oh, yeah. Because he can go from being that killing machine. Um, like when he was a wrestling machine right before he left WWE, uh, and he was in ECW, and he was on the wrestling machine, and he went back to wearing the wrestling shoes and uh, just being brutal like that or to being the guy who in 2001 was austin's little buddy you know and wearing the stupid cowboy hat and you know i mean he's done that to that and everything in between and not many guys can say they did that. right you know because he can have milk mania running wild. I think he's in one of my favorite rock promos where he's like, Hey rock, we're going to go after the show and get something you like strudel. And rock's like, Whoa, 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 whoa. Rock doesn't like strudel. The rock has the strudel. The rock likes pie. <laughs> That's right. Kurt's like, we'll go out and get some apple pie. You know, it was, I mean, he, he, he's just so diverse. He's so entertaining. Um, so good. 
you know, it's it's a shame he had the the demons he dealt with in a large in a large part because of his injuries. Um, I get that way too much, but uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's great to see Angle back, and he did a heck of a job refereeing uh, the pit fight between uh, Riddler and Thatcher. If you didn't see that last week, I I did not. I'll have to recap on that. Yeah, and that's when you need to go back and watch. Awesome. Um, we do have um, NXT in your house coming up for the first time on a Sunday. We get to take over. Yes. And I'm then excited for that. And for the first time, it's not in conjunction with the WWE uh, main roster pay-per-view. Yes, it is a true standalone. Right. And then we followed up the next week with Backlash. I, I miss Backlash being the follow-up to WrestleMania because Backlash was the backlash of Mania. The rematches and the resets and everything like that. So I, I kind of miss Backlash being in, in uh, April. But yeah. having said that, um, we've got some interesting things coming up uh, with that. We got Asuka and Nia Jax. We got... Uh, Drew and Lashley. We got Braun versus Miz and Morrison in a handicap match. Um, and so on and so forth. So it's it's gonna be it's gonna be well well worth watching. Yeah, absolutely. Um it's the first time I've actually been excited about a WWE pay-per-view well not really excited but but you know somewhat looking forward to a WWE pay-per-view for the first time in a while maybe since Royal Rumble or even before that because Mania I kind of just watched because it was Mania you right. know yeah it's kind of, it's almost sometimes it feels obligatory I will say this um Anytime you get that there was a recent match between the two of them on SmackDown, I lamented about this at, at Elimination Chamber. But anytime you get um, Gulag and Brian in the ring together, you got something special. Yes, and I'm glad. I'm glad that uh, the wrestling coach is back. Well, I don't name so much the the wrestling coach, but it's it, it's. Those two guys work so well together, and everything they do looks so real in the ring. Yes. And they told the story, and it wasn't either guy went in with their finish. It was a heel hook. Yeah. You know, and it made it look real and competitive and like a shoot. And those guys just work so well together. Um, and, of course, you know, we'll get to see now uh, Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles for the Intercontinental title. Um, I did Which like that. I'm excited for. Yeah, I did like that. Once Elias and Jeff Hardy got taken away, AJ was like, "You know, screw this. I'm I'm taking my buy and going to the finals." And everybody keeps trying to talk him out of this. And then Daniel's like, "All right, well, I'll, I'll wrestle the winner of the battle royal because I, I I I want to earn my spot." And then they just listen and goes, "You're an idiot." Like I think people forget what a good heel AJ can be when he wants to be. Oh yeah, you know, but the some of the the ways those two guys play off each other is really is really fun. 
and they had some great matches and I'm looking forward to them wrestling for the Intercontinental title because those two guys winning the Intercontinental title does a lot for the title. Oh, both, both definitely because yeah. you know like we've talked about it before on how outside of the Miz, Miz's recent runs with it there really hasn't been much uh, legitimacy or, or respect given to the Intercontinental title. Right, but when you have um, AJ Styles, who's recently been world champion, and Daniel Bryan, who's recently been a world champion, go, I want that belt. Right, it, it puts validity to it. Right, and you had other people in the tournament who add legitimacy to it. You have Jeff Hardy coming back and going, I've been the champion before, and that belt's special to me, and I want it back. And um, just the other people that were involved in the tournament made it more special. Yeah. Um, you had, and, you had a, a who's who list right. in and that then, tournament. And then you had that battle royal where basically everybody on the show was going, no, I want the shot. Right. And you end up with a 10-man battle royal, although I don't know what that does for social distancing. <laughs> it doesn't do much. Yeah. So I'm like, well, you got like your maximum capacity in the ring right now, and then you got referees, so now you're over capacity. And I, I really wonder if that's why they didn't do the Andre the Giant Battle Royal this year was because of social distancing. I, I I thought that, but then I was like, they aren't really doing much distancing as it is. So uh, I, I really can't say. Could be worse. You could work for Uncle Dana. That's, yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. That is true. Yeah. Um, I got to know your opinion. What do you think about them doing the the Jeff Hardy uh, drunk driving arrest? I hate it. I, Jeff, I'm sure, signed off on it. Oh, I'm sure he did, but do you have a choice? Exactly. I can't. I can't stand it. Like, I, and I, I know he gave us okay. I'm sure there was a big push for it. It's very reminiscent to me of the drunk angle they did with Scott Hall and WCW, and I hated that too. Um, Jeff's, Jeff's history, you know, with with alcohol and and pill abuse is well documented. I I don't like I don't like Vince trying to make money off of that. I don't like it at all. It's, it's very upsetting to me. Here was my take, okay, and I've never made any secret. I've always been very open on the show that I have a big history with drug abuse and drug addiction, alcohol addiction. Um, I'm coming up on 11 years clean and sober um, in July. Having said that, I'm torn. I see two sides of this. I'm torn on this one because there's a part of me that is the, you know, recovering, recovered addict that says, you know, I don't think it's fair they do this. At the same time, as Jeff has, and when you're going on wait, Twitter wait, about it, wait, and wait, when wait, you're wait, going, and your brother's talking about it. Hold on, hold on one second. You re- kind of, hold on, re- repeat that because the audio cut out. So you say at, it. at when, the same time. At the same time, when you putts up as many times as Jeff has mm-hmm. publicly, in where it's not just wrestling people know it's on tmz it's it's on mainstream press and when jeff is is you know jeff and his wife are going on twitter high and ranting at matt and matt's telling him to get a handle on it you you basically are inviting that to be used as a storyline in the future 
I mean, it, I mean, this was stuff that happened last year. I mean, it's, some of that's not even a year old yet. Right. That's what I'm saying. If if you do it that recently, and you come back, but it's been, but it's not just that he did it recently. He's done it for, you know, almost years twenty and years. Years, and years. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, people, even people who didn't watch TNA know about him and Sting. Yes. You know, people know that story. They've heard uh, Bruce Prichard tell the story. They've heard Eric Bischoff tell the story. Right. You know, it's it's not a secret. And then, you know, I think what really invited was that Jeff came back and was like, oh, I'm clean, I'm clean, I'm clean. And then the next thing you know. DUI. Right. So when you do that, to me, it was more reminiscent, not of Scott Hall, but of Jake Roberts. When yeah, they did the Jake too. angle and they poured and, and, and Lawler poured the liquor in his throat. And then depending on whose story you believe Jake would have been lying the whole time, or he relapsed shortly thereafter, or, you know, depending on which side it's, you know, to me, it reminded me of that because it's, you know, it, it's, it's, it is so touching in real life. There's a part of me that's very offended by it, but there's a part of me that goes, he kind of invited this on himself you know it wasn't a one-time thing it wasn't a short time thing i i I understand that but also to me it says either as a company how how much do you really care about his recovery that you're going to partially make light of you're going to make light of it by making it a storyline like that 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 just to me reeks of insincerity (laughs) I don't know about insincerity, maybe insensitivity. Okay. Um, yeah, insensitivity is better word. At, at the same time, it's again, it goes back to did he invite himself? If you do this, do you not know when you come back they're going to make a joke about it? Or that they're going to make it a storyline? Right. You know, it's, uh, you know, it, it, whether it's they're going, okay, you need to do this, you know or we don't have anything for you or Vince just like, I'm going, Hey Jeff, you've done it so many times. We have to acknowledge it. Um, so I will, I'm going to reserve my judgment for seeing how it plays out because he did come back at the end of SmackDown and in clean house. Yeah. I just, I, I, it, it just, it rubbed me the wrong way. And I, I, you know, I don't have a history at all, you know, with that interest. It just seems, like I said, it just seems vastly insensitive. I know Vince isn't the most sensitive person, but, you know, where when you're in an age and we're in a society where, um, you know, people are asking, consumers especially are asking people to be more companies and entertainment companies be more sensitive to real life issues that are you know, the people and millions of people deal with, you know, you know it, it'd be, it would be one thing if it was a worker doing a storyline that did not have a legitimate problem, you know. Right. It, 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 uh, it's funny to me that I'm one that has less of a problem with it, giving my history, and you have no history with it, and you have the bigger problem with it, you know. And then that, because, but because I have friends like you who 
it's a re it's a reality for you. So like, and I'm, and I'm sensitive to that. And I'm like, I, it's, and to me it's, and I, and I guess it's, you know, where just, you know, personally as someone who's, you know, been in, you know, been in leadership, you know, and been in ministry where I, if I would, if that was my company, I would not want to put my person who I say I care about in a position where they could possibly stumble again. Like that to me is just not cool. Well, are they putting him around drugs and alcohol or are they just telling a story? You know, but we, like with but, Jake, they literally poured alcohol in his throat. Right. You know, um, with Scott Hall, they literally poured beer on him. Right. In WWE when Austin took control of him. And yeah. Uh, and, you know, so there's, I, I think a lot of it's going to depend on how they handle it and what they're actually doing, you know, um, there I, I did think it was funny that they, the cop like picks up the bottle and the bottle's like barely open and he's smelling like I'm, I'm sorry if you had that little bit of alcohol it's not going to cause you to wreck and then pass out you know right. that's just not realistic especially when you have to have the tolerance jeff hardy has to have right you know uh you think take two of those bottles take him down yeah you know? um um you know, like you shoot him with animal tranquilizer, and he's like, "Ooh, nice buzz." But yeah. <laughs> yeah, you mean we we've we've heard stories on about Jeff's Jeff's uh, binges. They they are a legend, right? So you know, I mean, you're talking about a guy who was passed out, and everybody's like, "Well, take him back to the locker room," and then he gets up and walks out and has a match. Oh, we really can't call it having a match, but the man did somehow. I don't know how he walked to the ring, but right. he did with the ugliest belt of all time. Oh my god, that thing is so ugly. Yeah. So that, some custom belts should just never happen. Yeah. There there have been very few custom belts I've liked. I liked the rated R spinner because I was like, if you're gonna have the spinner, you might as well change it up, you know. And I think it added Ed, Edge's mystique at the time. Um, you know, his edginess. Um, and I like the smoking skull belt. Uh, but there aren't many other custom belts I've liked. I, I can't even think of a custom belt right now that I liked. I hate, oh no, I'm not big on the spinner, but I, the only spinner I liked was the, was the U S spinner. Uh, I didn't like the WWE championship spinner. Uh, I didn't I like, like the spinner itself. I just liked when they put the R logo on it. I thought that was cool. Cause I was like, the spinner's ridiculous enough. At least I don't have to look at that gaudy. Uh, WWE, WWE logo, so, yeah. In the middle, yeah. Uh, it, 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 I thought it looked better with the rated as the rated R belt and the smoking skull belt. Whether you like a guy having his own belt or not, to me, I'm a big belt mark, and I always thought that was a cool looking belt. I, I just, I didn't like, it. I didn't like it. back on it and everything. I, I didn't like that belt. I didn't, and I thought the the the, the Brahma Bull one was even worse. Uh, I did not like. Well, you know, so I didn't mention that one, but you yeah, know, because it was, it was. I didn't, I did not like that. The only, no, I I mean, the only customization I rarely, I could say that I liked was simply just changing, you know, changing the strap itself. Uh, you know, I thought you know Michael's going with the white strap with icy was dope. Um, the blue was kind of cool because it went with the outfit, um, the with the blue and the stripes, like that was all right. Um, but yeah, and I do agree that the red and black of the R logo definitely look better than the WWE logo. Um, yeah. But it's just the whole spinning action thing was just so bad. Well, what was even dumber though was when they locked it 
and yes, it didn't spin anymore didn't spin and then anymore. just looked gaudy well they got tired of people complaining about the thing constantly spinning in different you know motions and stuff and it was just distracting and then they well, it, it. it even became a setting on wb video games where you could choose to have the belt spin, spin or not, or not. So, yep. yeah 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 i do uh, not miss that ugly thing no i don't either that was one of those things where uh you know i remember uh i'm gonna say it was dave sure maybe was asked uh you know what's the most important title in wwe right now and you know bautista was on smackdown with the world title at the time and he said i'm gonna say the world title because i refuse to acknowledge that gaudy piece of crap <laughs> as as you know the most important belt right it, it, it's yeah it's not that the memory. current belt that they have is that much better it's better than that there's it's most better belts, but most i didn't say it was much better, better. thing well, i'm not saying much either but mo but most belts are better than that thing that thing is yeah. horrific well i really wish they'd bring back the big gold belt but or the winged eagle um well um you know they did just recently and i'm probably don't think they're going to do anything with it, but they did just, you know, uh, make sure they uh, re-up their uh, trademarks for WCW as well as make sure it extended for apparel and t-shirts and cups. But I think they that do that nature. more for merchandising than they're actually going to do anything with it. Right. I, I, I agree the same. I believe that too, but you know, I wish that meant they were going to do something with it and maybe turn NXT into WCW, which would make sense for having Charlotte go to NXT yeah. and I, try I, to I don't think they're up. ever going to bring WCW back. I don't think they'll bring ECW back again. I don't think they're going to, I think they're going to keep their own brands, but at the same time, wouldn't it be cool if, you know, the universal title was represented by the big gold belt and the WB title was represented by the winged eagle again. Yeah. See, I don't like the attitude era belt. That's one reason I like the smoking skull belt better. Because to me, I I never liked the attitude belt. Um, I thought it was a little, I thought it was a little too big. You even even if you, it was did too simple to me. Even if you took something in between the winged eagle and the attitude era belt, um, if you did a new design, I you know I think that would work. I just the attitude era, it was just so big in the middle, you know, and with me, and I was just like, it just didn't. It didn't look proportioned well. It, it didn't look comfortable to wear at all. Like, it just looked like, hey, there's this really big lump in the middle, and the other parts are just really small. And I just, I didn't like the design. Yeah, I didn't like the design of it. I thought it was too simple, for one thing, because you go from having the winged eagle with the big wings and the cool shape to it to, hey, it's round. Right. You know, and, you know, you got a round belt with square side plates which that doesn't match no you know if you're gonna have a rounder belt or belt with an edge on it you have round side plates if you have a squared off belt then you use the square side plates um so it didn't match it was very simple and so when they got the smoking skull belt i was like hey that's a cool looking belt i've never seen side plates like that you know it's a different kind of looking belt snakeskin on the back was cool um, was cool i've got the strap somewhere not the actual belt just the strap to it yeah um and but it's one of those things where uh it, it was something different at the time than what we were used to getting yes you know and that was what made it cool to me um 
I also thought it fit. What made it work versus other belts to me was it, and and kind of the same reason that it worked for Edge was it went with I'm not being who I'm supposed to be. Like with Austin, he's going, not only am I not the corporate guy, I don't even want their belt. I'll have my own belt. Like it fit that character. I know you're not an Austin fan, but it it fit that character to go, okay, I'm not going to be their corporate pup and I'm not going to wear the suit and tie. I'm not going to do this. I'm not even going to carry their belt. Mm, you know, yeah. and with Edge, him being the rated R superstar, why wouldn't he have his own belt to rebel against them? Right. Because he was kind of the wrestling James Dean at the time. Yeah. So that's why I'm okay with those. With like Rocket never really made sense because he was never the same rebel. And then at one point in time, he was also the corporate champ. So why would the corporate champ need his own belt? You know, that type thing. Yeah. So, um, you know. I know a lot of people go, oh, well, Cena's belt, that made sense. It was, you know, the spinners and all. But aside from the initial one, the, the U.S. title, I agree, was cool. And I had one that I that I customized and resold um, on a genuine leather strap with, like, inlays of stars on it on a blue strap. Looked really cool. Mm. Um, I, like, the because the way I dyed it was, like, there were silhouettes of stars on the strap. That's pretty cool. But the... Uh, but that belt was cool. The whole belt spun and it, it was different for the time. It was the first one and it was just the U S title. But then when you have the WB title with, you know, 50 years of history behind it, eh, you know, yeah, that just because I, even though WB claims history, back to Harley race in mid Atlantic championship wrestling with the U S title in my mind, even though they claim that history, it's still just their belt. Yeah. It, they didn't bring the same belt back. They didn't bring back a past design. They had a completely different looking belt, mm -hmm. you know, and they brought it back, you know, a year after it had been retired. And so to me, it was just kind of like, okay, that's their U S belt even though they claim the same history in which they can legally do, but right. to me, it's always been their belt. So when Cena was doing that, there's you know, two years of history behind it, not 50. Agreed. Yeah. All right. Well, well that, it, that's good. Well, as we wrap up here. Yeah, I was going to say it's, um, it's 1230 at night. We should probably wrap up. Well, as we wrap up, um, you know, we uh, we generally don't go very political um, mm -hmm. here at uh, in any of our nation shows. But um, I do want to mention something that was pretty cool while we were recording here. Um, I a. Someone from Sporting News asked people to tweet out um, when they first, you know, black people specifically when they first experienced racism. Mm -hmm. And I saw someone who had a similar story to my personal one. And I replied to that person and not realizing that Chris Hero was on the thread. And Chris Hero replied to me, um, which she did not have to do. And, I, and it was, you know, really cool just to see that he is up at 12 something at night 
um, and responding to people sharing, you know, their, their pain uh, on Twitter and trying to be, you know, someone of comfort right now in, in this time. So, you know, for people that are being upset on some of their favorite wrestler stances um, with different things in, that are going on in this world, know that some are out there trying to make people feel better and, and uplift others. And Chris Hero uh, is one of them. And for those of you who don't know, Chris Hero is Cassius Ono in WWE. We're in yes. NXT. He never actually made it up the ladder, but... Um, Which is a shame, but... That's another topic for another day. Yeah. Well, as always, we want to thank you for listening to another episode of Breaking Ring Rust. You can follow us at Jeek Nation on Facebook, on Twitter, at Jeek Nation. Join us in our conversation on Facebook. We have a community full of people just like you, people who love wrestling, love sports, love geek and nerd culture all combined and we have a wonderful time and we would love you to join us and have a lot of fun on the in the conversations we also now have a discord um, where we are going to start to do some watch parties and things of that nature as well so feel free to join us there as always subscribe to the show and in the next recording you will hear an announcement about a giveaway that we are doing courtesy of the cold heart um and his oh yeah generosity did you forget no i i (laughs) forgot that we just never mentioned yeah we're gonna do uh we're we're, i think we're still working out the details or you were but we're gonna give away a uh young bucks um new japan uh funko pop set Yes, and you will get the details next episode on how you can win that Funko Pop New Japan Young Bucks uh, Bullet Club version, one of the Bullet Club yeah. versions um, of the Young Bucks Funko Pop set. And yeah, it was an exclusive set, the only one our retailer. So yes. um, if you didn't get it, you didn't get it. Exactly. And this is your chance to get it now. So keep uh, keep listening. We thank you for your support. And as always, get yourselves over, Marks. Oh, no! Oh, my God!